Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and the league our season has come to a conclusion. It was full of twists and turns, but tonight we review every single team in a bumper two-hour special filled with guests. But before we get to that, here are the latest headlines. Ligue 1's final weekend lacked much of the drama of the second division, but Saturday's matches still had their fair share of drama. Caen's late equaliser at the Parc des Princes was probably the closest thing to a clutch goal at the weekend. The big forward stabbing home from close range to earn a one-all draw in injury time and avoid the relegation playoff. That goal allowed Caen to pull clear of Lorient, who also drew at home to Bordeaux. Among the other sides in the relegation scrap, Nancy won 3-1 at home to a depleted Saint-Étienne, but finished a point away from safety. Bastia travelled to Marseille and made a real go of it, but were unable to breach Johan Pelé's goal, losing 1-0 as Bafatimbi Gomis scored his 20th goal in the league, the hosts confirming fifth place and European football for next season in the process. Dijon, on the other team near the bottom of the table, recorded a scoreless draw at Toulouse, although not for a lack of trying as Mauro Goikachea, in, in for Alban Lafont, had to make several fine saves. Lyon hosted Nice in Alexandre Lacazette's final match and the departing striker duly obliged the crowd with a fine double in a 3 all draw, although Anastonis Donis may have usurped Lacazette by equalising that and drawing a penalty. Champions Monaco played a rotated side, but still had enough to win 3-2 at Rennes, with youngster Adam Diakabi scoring both goals for the hosts. Meanwhile, at Lille, Nicolas de Preville scored a hat-trick to lead the hosts to a 3-0 win over Nantes. In other matches, Angers beat Montpellier 2-0, while Metz lost 1-0 at Gangop. In Ligue 2, all six sides in the halt from promotion won on Friday, although none in more dramatic fashion than Amiens, who played into the sixth minute of stoppage time and 10-man Reims before finding a winner to clinch second place, dropping Trois, who had themselves battled back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 at Sochaux, into the playoff spot. Elsewhere, Strasbourg recorded a fairly routine win to take the title and a return to Ligue 1 after a decade away, while Lens, Brest and Nîmes all played well enough to win, but will have to wait another year for promotion. The playoffs set for Thursday and Sunday will thus see Lorient taking on Troyes, with a Coupe de France final set for Saturday between Angers and Paris Saint-Germain. And that's all the news. But remember, for all the latest, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. So before we begin, it's time to introduce who will be joining me for tonight. And we have GFFN's very own Philip Bargio for this first hour of broadcast. And Eric Devin will be with us throughout the evening. So we're going to start our roundup of 2016-17 season at Lyon and Eric. While there was some success, at least in Europe, it was probably an overall frustrating season for Leon, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think that Leon had some really bright spots. I think that the ambition show by signing Memphis Depay is a positive sign for the future. If Leon can continue to sign a player of this caliber or this value over subsequent windows, I think they can be, if not on equal footing with the likes of PSG and Monaco, at least make themselves a clear favorite 
for, for third place going forward. I think that Nice are going to have a pretty tumultuous summer and that, that Leon, are, can, Leon do have the opportunity to do that. Uh, I think that there's also positives to be taken from the way some young players have come into the team, Luka Tussart and Mutar Diakabi. Uh, I'd see, I remember seeing Diakabi play at the 2015 under-19 championships, and he really looked a prospect at that point. Uh, and he's really come on leaps and bounds. He still has a bit of a, a cultish play about him. He's, he's like, he's, he likes to run around. He likes to get about. Uh, he likes to clear the ball. But sometimes he's a little lacking positionally, but still, for his age, I think he's a, a really wonderful prospect. Luka Tussart looks a real find in, in midfield as well. I think that he's a natural successor to Maxime Gonalon, but a little bit less prosaic. He's more dynamic with the ball at his feet, uh, and he's more he's got a better range of passing, I think. So well done. Again, Leon's academy continues to produce impressive players. Uh, I think that's been really good. I think Emmanuel Mamana, signed from Argentina, looks a real prospect. He's definitely struggled with some injury issues this season, but I think in he and Diakabi, there's really the makings of a center-back partnership for the future. Mamana, as opposed to Diakabi, is a more composed player. He's got a good range of passing. Uh, he's very he's very good on the ball. He's not uh, doesn't seem a, a nervous player. So some good, some definitely some good signs for Leon. Alexander Lacazette had another great season. Uh, nothing nothing to, to take away from him. Uh, you know, given the injuries that he suffered this season, uh, I think in terms of goals per minute, he's he's had a, a new career high. So so well done. And in the Europa League semifinal, beating Roma along the way. I think given the financial disparity between those two clubs, I think that's also real, uh, a real market quality for Leon too. So those are, those are the good things. But there's also, unfortunately, uh, some bad things. Leon's defense, I, I think, is probably the, the thing that worries me the most. If you look at the defensive table, that is the top five teams in defense, they are four of the top five. And I bet you can guess which one is not. Uh, that's Leon there. They were only 10th in goals conceded in Leon. And that's, and that's the thing. And we saw that at the weekend. That was, in a lot of ways, a microcosm of Leon's season, that they were able to score with aplomb. And Lacazette had some great finishes. Uh, you know, also in attack, Matthew Babuena had, had, had a good season. Memphis Depay's looked decent in flashes. But their defense lets them down too often. Um, on, the, on the night, it was Nicola Ankulu with a, a poor back pass and then conceding a penalty to Donis. In, in stoppage time to, to drop two points. And it's just frustrating to see that, that Leon have all the attacking tools to compete on equal or even better better footing than, than the likes of Nice, but their, their defense is so poor, and, and that really holds them back. And that's something that's extended uh, to other players in the team as well. I think that we've been able to, to ring up all of the defenders, but also Maxime Gonalon at times, as being really lacking in terms of their of their defensive duty. And it's been frustrating to see because a lot of these players, particularly Gonalon, Nkulu, Mapuyanga, Mbiwa, Morel, Jale, they're experienced players. And there's not really an excuse for that at this point. I mean, Morel, and, Morel is not an international, but he's he's certainly been of a good standard at Ligue 1 for a long time. Mashish Raibis, who was brought in in the summer as another left-back option, was poor throughout the season. Jale, Yanga, and Biwa, you know, have each have a good amount of caps to their name as well, and you you just expect better. I, I know that you know some of these players are getting on. Morel and Jale are both are uh, thirty two and thirty three respectively, so they're not exactly spring chickens anymore. Includes forms tailed off quite a bit, but 
there has to be more from Leon defensively if if they want to succeed, and, and that and that's what it is that is driving Lacazette to leave. I mean, you can't blame him that if he scores a brace and the team draw three three. I mean, he has to be he has to be metaphorically pulling his hair out. That he's in the prime of his career. He's about to turn twenty six. That there's but why would he want to stay at a team who can't evince any solidity defensively? And again, obviously Samuel Umtiti going to Barcelona and, and succeeding. Some 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 pundits in Spain have had him in their team of the season. He's done really well there, taking on from his from a solid European Championship. But it's not as if Leon didn't make an attempt to try and replace these players. It's just things didn't work out. And if he doesn't see future, if he doesn't see an ambition, if he doesn't see ambition for Leon, as as Maxime Gonalon recently said, then you know, that you have to wonder. What, what the point is of staying with this club if they can't make themselves regular contenders for the Champions League? Now, obviously, nice, Nice's excellent season has made this somewhat awkward for Leon, but again, given their resources, given their means, they should be doing, they should be giving Nice more of a battle for third, and it's down to that defense. I mean, think about some of the matches they've lost, say three-two or or two-one, or they've gone ahead and then and then and then come back to lose. It's it's frustrating to see that time and again, and. You know, there's been rumors of managerial change. I think that needs to happen. I think Bruno Genesio doesn't have what it takes tactically, and he doesn't have what it takes personnel-wise. I think some of the, the, the personnel choices he's made, starting Nabil Fakir at striker with any regularity, I don't see that as being something sustainable. Um, this club are in for a major restructure. They're going to lose Lacazette. They're likely going to lose Tolisso. They could lose Gonalo. They could lose Balbuena. And I think that whoever comes in is going to need to be the caliber of manager that's going to demand the respect of and who's going to attract players of an international caliber of of the level of Depay. Now I know Depay's been hit hit and miss, but in terms of what he achieved with PSV and how and being a Dutch international, that's the caliber of player that Leon need to pursue. And if if that's the case, they're gonna need a manager that that is going to attract players like that. Now Jean Michel Oas has come out in recent in recent times, and he's been very strong in his uh, praise for for Genesio, saying that he wants him to be with the club. And he can be with the club; he can be an assistant. He's been with the club for more than a decade. But in terms of being a tactical manager, being the one who's making the decisions on the pitch, who's part of that decision-making process in terms of transfers, I, I don't think that Genesio has what it takes. I think that Leon had. A decent season when it comes to Europe. Again, the Champions League was was tough. You know, Sevilla in the form there in the first half of the season, and Juventus. I think that aside from away to Sevilla, they played those those they played three of those four matches really tough. They they gave a good acquittal of themselves and in beating Roma, uh, they showed that they're that they're of a European caliber of team. But but for their defense, and we saw it again against Ajax in the semifinal. You know, Ajax were the better team over two legs. They deserved to go through. But that was down to Leon's defense because it wasn't as if they weren't creating opportunities. Uh, in the first leg, Onana, uh, the Ajax goalkeeper, had a handful of good saves. We could be looking at Leon in, in a European final this Thursday if, if things had, if their defense had been a little bit sharper. And again, it's frustrating to see that given the attacking gifts they have. But all in all, I, I think that there's should be cautious optimism for Leon going forward after this season. That the Chinese investment and, and what that's going to allow Olas to do in the transfer market is a positive. I think that I think that they can achieve some 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 level of consistency. 
after some rougher seasons in terms of their ability to bring players in. But the defense needs to be fixed first and foremost. So whether that's through a new manager or whether that's through player acquisition, it needs to be priority number one. I think even more than replacing Lacazette or Toliso because there's a, a decent attack, amount of attacking options in that side as it is. But without, without a defense to back it up, Leon aren't going, aren't going to improve in any meaningful way going forward. Yeah, would you say would you say uh, this season was a better season or worse season than last season? Good question. I think a better season. I, I I say that because I have a lot of faith in the the youngsters that are coming through. Tusar, I I think is a future French international. Uh, he's a really tremendous player. So much poise for players twenty years old, and I think that Diakabi and Mamana are a center back pairing in the future. Now, and I, I know that that might fly a little bit in the face that of what I just said in terms of needing to improve the defense. Do I have enough faith in a 21-year-old, 21, 21 a pair of 21-year-olds, sorry, uh, being, being starting center backs next season? It could work. I mean, Toulouse had a great defense with a fairly young pair, pair of players and Issa Diop and Christopher Julien. But I, I think that I think that that needs to be Leon's focus. I, I think it's a better season because I, I, I think there's more reason for optimism. I mean, last season also, the Champions League, I don't have a problem with Leon's Champions League being eliminated from the Champions League this year. Juventus and Sevilla are strong. I mean, Juventus, we've seen, now we've seen them, you know, mow through opponents in the, in the knockout rounds. We know just how good this team is. And, and Sevilla at that point in time, I mean, I know they weren't great against Leicester, but again, seeing, yeah. seeing them at that point in the season when they, before fatigue had started to become an issue, they were incredible. So uh, no frustration there. But last season, being eliminated from that group with Zenit and Valencia and, and Ghent, and there was no excuse for that. I think this is a better season. I think Leon have more to look forward to uh, now than they did a year ago. Because yeah. you actually achieved – well, you, Leon, sorry. Uh, was supposed to be usual. Um, I'm neutral. <laughs> <laughs> Leon actually achieved more points this season than last which is yeah. quite amazing, and it's not. It's almost like Lyon kept to the same mediocre levels in last season, but it's just that Liga was just so much better this season, or whilst it's at Monaco yeah. and it's just up their level so much more, yeah. and that Lyon stayed at the same level, which is not you know that bad, but it just means how well, and we're probably going to talk about it uh, later, uh, how great seasons uh, Monaco and Nice have had, just. Uh, just better than than Lyon because otherwise Lyon would have finished second far far behind PSG just like like last season. So it's not really I I don't really think it's um, any of Genesio's wrongdoing. It's uh, maybe maybe it's as it's as far as he can take this club, and uh, which probably means that uh, Lyon do need uh, a change because not seeing Lyon in the top suite is kind of kind of strange. Well, I mean, so, so why is he starting Nicolas Kulu, who's been horrible all season? Well, in important yeah. matches, yeah. That, that's his choice. Yeah, I, no, I'm not. I'm not praising him. On, on, the, <laughs> on, on, on Leon, let's let's very quickly mention the player that we mentioned in the news as well, Eric. That, that Alexandre mm. Lacazette is obviously leaving. It looks possibly like it's Atletico Madrid. Should a transfer ban not really interrupt that transfer? How how important has he been for Leon? And and what a great way to finish it with a hundred league goals as well. Yeah, I think that he's been an incredible player, an incredible servant. He's continued to improve even this season in terms of his defensive work rate, in terms of his passing. Thinking about that home leg at Roma, I mean, he was, you know, that was 
potentially the best performance I've ever seen uh, from a Leon player, or at least at least it's deserving of consideration. I, his he's he's become a more complete forward, and I, he's not just. I, I think you know we ha- we have the, the meme Pena Lacazette that he scores a lot of penalty goals, and he does. But but at the same time, he's also become a more complete player, willing to draw play teammates in. I mean, it's it's no coincidence that players like Depay and players like Valbuena relish having a player like Lacazette as a teammate because yeah, he's going to look for his, but he's also willing to set people up and and to to allow players to cut inside and to drop back and to drop deep and and create space. He's a complete center forward and. At this point in time, that's that's a really impressive progression from a player who was perhaps somewhat of a poacher uh, earlier in his career. So he's and he's really, I think, taken on a leadership role. Whereas when he was coming through, there were other players to do that. There was a Chris. There was a, you know, there was even Alessandro Lopez that took on more of a leadership role in the team. But I think that even if he's not wearing the armband, he's looked to as a as a role model for his fellow attackers, and that's that's something that's really impressive as well. So. I, you know, as a Leon fan, I'll, I'll, I'll put my Leon hat, uh, fan hat here on for a second. They've been absolutely tremendous. He's he's been a great servant for the club. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll always have a soft spot for him. I think that he gave the club probably even an extra season more than he necessarily should have, and uh, it led them to a you know a great uh, couple of nights in Europe in terms of beating Roma and beating Besiktas. So, you know, well done to him, and and you know may he have a good career, continue to be a French international. Going forward, yeah, what do you make of the club he's being linked with? Yeah, maybe oh, an interesting yeah. one. He, yeah. he, if Griezmann stays, he and Griezmann are, yeah, that's a, a scary yeah. duo. I think that that's really going to make Atletico yeah. a, a very, very good team going forward. Yeah, and and it, not not mentioning Leon fans, but Ligue 1 fans will miss him as well. I think, but we'll move we'll move on to the next team now, and that we introduce that with our first guest, and that's French football writer Rich Allen. Uh, hello, Rich. Good evening. And uh, we wouldn't, oh, wouldn't have anyone talking about any other team really than your beloved Ren. And it's been a, like we mentioned a few weeks ago, not the the greatest of season. But since then, you've had the the Giovanni Cio header that was a, a little bit strange, and the, you pushed a Monaco side for a little bit of the weekend. But that's probably all you can really highlight the season, other than a couple of, of bright youngsters, isn't it? For Ren, it's been a, a strange one. It's been an incredibly frustrating season. It's a, it's another. I mean, this is copy-paste for most seasons recently. It's another season of what-if um, for, for Ren. You know, there's a lot of potential there, but once again, really have failed to fulfil it. So let's let's focus on sort of the positives, at least, then. And we've mentioned the likes of um, Yoris Nyanyon in the past, but Diakabe scored two at the weekend as well. Is there maybe some positive signs that finally, again, that the, the youth system is maybe producing something of note at least in a in a season that's been a bit uh, drab maybe to say the least I think so I think when I was on a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> I, I mentioned that one of my hopes for next season is a is a bigger reliance on on the uh, the youth team um, you know they perform very successfully um, at, at CFA level won their won their division um, yeah I mean uh, Dick Harvey started the season brightly came really from nowhere some really good performances, got on the score sheet, finished the season, two goals against Monaco, another bright performance, very hit and miss in between, but was never really given a consistent run in the team. But yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, star of the season for, for Ren um, and one of the standout players in the league um, this season was was Yoris Nyanyon, uh, unbelievable performances 
week in, week out, for someone so young to be marshalling that defence and to have come in and inst- almost instantly have become the most integral part of that defence uh, has been fantastic. So, you know, fingers crossed we keep him in the summer and, and look forward to uh, what he can perform at, uh, the level he can perform at anyway next season. Yeah, and one that's at least confirmed to be going this summer is Benoit Costil, who is leaving at the end of his contract. But it also looks like they're looking at Lecomte as well from Lorient as a possible replacement for him. Uh, Rich, is that maybe the right step for for Ren to make, and that maybe a sign of what they can do in the summer of of trying to bring in league and experienced players to really bolster the squad again? Uh, I think they need to look at some experience. They need to look at the right kind of experience. You know, um, we've we've seen the likes of Clement Chanton come in, and my goodness, was he not the kind of player that Ren need? Um, so it's really making sure that it's it's the right kind of experience, the kind of experience that. Is actually not just a, almost a panic, job filling kind of a role filling kind of uh, short term solution. There has to be some thought into the signings, um, because that's been the real problem with Ren this season. Defensively, they've been fantastic. You know, not not many teams in the league have conceded more than Ren, but it's the attack. You know, the the the, the only two teams who scored less than Ren this season um, were the two teams that, that got relegated, Bastia and Nancy. So it, it's it's the creativity in midfield. It's it's then the the finishing as well. It, that's that's what needs to be looked at. Defensively, pretty sound. Um, have a first choice back four that's very strong, I think. They need to replace Costille. Um, Lecomte is a name that I've seen mentioned. Didion at, at Metz is another I've seen mentioned. Um, so there's the right kind of players being mentioned, but is Christian Gorkouf the kind of player, uh, kind of coach, rather, sorry, who will be able to spot those po- those opportunities and and succeed in pulling them off? Uh, I'm not so sure. Well, what is the Joe's opinion on Gorkouf? Um, uh, to you know, to to the point, because there was some some kind of optimism when he was appointed, since he uh, he was uh, some kind of a of a local guy, um, uh, and by local I knew he was uh, from from Brittany. I mean. Has it died down, or are people still quite excited by his run of football, his experience? Because it seems to have uh, gone into some kind of uh, monotony, somewhat. Uh, I, the excitement has, has disappeared completely, I think. Mm. Um, it, it sadly, sort of disappeared quite quickly as well. <clears throat> I think the turning point sort of came end of towards the end of November. Um, we had a pretty torrid December. Winter break came about, and then pretty much from from January onwards it's just been a a steady you know consistent level of underperforming so uh, certainly at, at fan level supporter level um there's there's big concern over whether Christian Gorkouf is the man to continue taking rem forward um at board level i think he's got relative relatively decent support still um mm-hmm. i think he's always going to have the players on board you know he's a you know, he's very good at, at managing the players, so I think that yeah, there's a lot of support still there. Um, it's just what influence, I suppose, the the fan dissatisfaction uh, can bring about. Mm-hmm. And, which, is, sorry, sorry, carry on. Which. Are, are you are you given how how anemic this team has been offensively, especially since selling the likes of Grosicki and and Intep in, in the winter? Is relegation at all a concern next year, or do you feel that? There'll be sufficient investment in the summer to allay those fears. 
Um, there will be there will be a, there will be sufficient investment. I'm not I'm not concerned about relegation next season. Um, I'm concerned that it's going to be a, a far dicier season than this season. You know, I think we were very fortunate that sort of that November period we actually performed really quite well, uh, and you know, sort of flirting with fourth and fifth for a while. Um, so no, I'm I think there's enough in the squad. I don't think there's too many players that will be departing this summer. I think Costile is obviously a huge, massive, massive loss, but that's been on the cards now for quite a few months that he was going. Um, I wish they hadn't mucked around Paul Nardi um, by bringing him in last summer. It was obviously a, a with the intention that, that Costile was going to leave last summer. That never happened, so Nardi didn't get his opportunity. Terminated the loan deal. He's now gone and you know, he's performed by all accounts very well um, in Belgium. So I think his experience and, and very bad experience with the club means we're not going to look at bringing him back, which is a shame because he would have been a great, great solution. Um, no, in short, no, I don't. I don't fear relegation next season. I think we are going to be better than uh, you know a decent number of teams and enough teams that that mean relegation won't be an issue. But yeah, I think it's not going to be a pretty season. Um, as with seemingly the last four or five seasons, it's going to be another season of transition, I think. It's I maybe think one of those be... years where they really take things back and, and sort of restock and see where where to go from there. Thank you, Rich, for joining us and, and again going through the traumatic experience of what was a 2016-17 season again and we'll, we'll, we shall see you sometime. I'll be off to see my therapist. Now. Yeah, <laughs> and we shall talk to you next season. Thank you again. Um, let's move on now to another team, well, another team that's had a middling season really and that's uh, Lille, Philip. Uh, they've had an interesting product check that seems to be coming in under Gerard Lopez and Bielsa next season but this year was... It was a tough one to start off with. They struggled to score goals and they've sort of limped ever since then and they've been a bit... Unexciting is probably the best way to put them, isn't it? Yeah, I think you can describe Lille season a bit uh, very much like uh, like Wendt, except that there's so much more, um, shall we say, expectation and, um, and enthusiasm around the club uh, for for Lille, and that uh, given that they they've now got this this uh, brand new stadium, a wonderful wonderful stadium. I mean, the fans did expect uh, much much better um, this season, but you know the inv- uh, investment did did come. Lille were. Uh, they were actually 19th at the end of uh, at the end of November, and they were never actually. actually I don't think. I think they they were only <laughs> they were only once in the top half, and that was uh, on the on the opening day of the season. So this you know this this pretty much tells you everything you need you need to know about um, about their season. But inve- investment has been made. Biasa is coming over. Biasa was uh, is actually being unveiled. I think it was today or maybe uh, in a couple of ne- in the next days. Fonkasi is um, is not going to be the manager anymore. It's going to be it's going to be Biasa with uh, all the success, even though it, it is short term success. Uh, but he will. Um, everybody's confident he will bring success to this side. So they've got uh, they've got some cash. They've got some uh, decent players. I mean, I did. Uh, I did enjoy uh, Lille, Lille play at some at some point, and I do believe that some of the players, Munir Obadi, um, names names Titi Cheka, um, and uh, your very own uh, Nicolas de Preville Nason, um, have uh, have been quite you know quite good 
um, but it's just uh, that uh, they they a bit like uh, I'm seeing a bit like Mamana at Lyon. They just need the time to adapt to the new league, and um, and that we'll see how how good they are next uh, next season. It's just um, I think it's a transitional one, um, and that says they'll have a pretty a pretty good season next term. Uh, and maybe even even the year after that, but of course, I mean, we are talking about Bielsa, but uh, we, I think we can expect Lille to be in uh, in some kind of um, uh, decent um, decent form next season. So not good. It's not been good. It's not. It's really not been good. Um, but uh, you know, good expectations. Yeah, and I suppose the hope for next season is that they don't have a winter window where they have to sign everyone on the final day of the season and then it gets struggled up. And it's like, has that been a problem really for them to sort of connect the dots together in that second half of the season to get those players running? I mean, you've mentioned Jekka briefly there, who's mm. impressed in bits, but the likes of there's, there's been uh, Krishner and uh, Elzar as well from Ajax. They've, they've not really gelled as, as well, at least. Just, Lit the stadium alight as many hope they would have there. Yeah, and also, it's, it, I think it's not just them. I think there's also the the, the likes of uh, Boutier, Mavuba, and uh, Idea, um, who uh, who was quite good at the end of last season. Um, to uh, to put it um, uh, to put it mildly, it just didn't it just didn't help. I mean, they, it, it's not like they had um, a lot of uh, players being actually. Um, Shall we say? I mean, the body language wasn't very, very welcoming. I, I felt, and you, you could, you could feel that uh, something was wrong um, in, in that place. And I think there's, there's quite a lot of work to do for Bielsa. But uh, given his, uh, his method and uh, his, uh, his strictness, I think he can, he can get results very, fairly quickly. I, I certainly expect Lille to finish higher than uh, where they are right now, which is 11th. It'll be an interesting summer, at least in the northern city, when they maybe splash a little bit more cash. But another guest joining us now is a French uh, freelance writer, Jonathan Johnson. Thank you for joining us, Jonathan. Hey there, guys. Thanks for having me on. So we're talking about obviously Paris Saint Germain and what many seem as a as a strange season. They've won the Coupe de la Ligue. They've got they're in the Coupe de France final, but a bit pretty embarrassing defeat in the Champions League and and obviously finishing second in the league. Is that a disappointing season, as strange as it might be to say for them, or are we maybe overanalyzing what they should be achieving? Uh, I think that um, for PSG's Qatari owners, finishing second, obviously, uh, is a massive disappointment. But I think, um, you know, for people like you and I, when we're looking at the situation for PSG in Ligue 1 and, you know, sort of from the outside, uh, you know, it should actually be viewed as a positive that they do have competition now that's able to push them and punish them uh, for being complacent and, and making mistakes. You know, I, I think that this is should be viewed as a positive thing by PSG. I understand why they won't see it as a positive thing at this time, but I don't think that they would have gained anything. And I don't think that they would make the changes necessary that, uh, you know, the changes that they really need to make this summer, uh, you know, had they just managed to scrape the league title because Monaco uh, made a few mistakes in the last couple of games of the season. Uh, you know, I think that this now uh, is a wake-up call for PSG. Uh, they've been trying to uh, sort of, uh, you know, re... Uh, reinvigorate this um, stagnating project now for the last uh, sort of 12 to 18 months and this is the real sort of kick in the ass that they need to actually you know make sure that this happens this summer 
Yeah, and, and talking about the previous summer at least, and that's maybe where some of the negativity comes from. There's not been too much help from the the summer signings, other than maybe Thomas Mounier can sort of get away with that. Was that a major issue in why they really struggled with without the depth behind that starting eleven? I think the problem that PSG have had now for the last couple of seasons is there's no clear um, roles for a lot of the people at the club, uh, particularly off the pitch, not so much on it. Um, you know, I think that PSG have really been lacking direction for the last couple of years since Leonardo left, really, uh, and the changes that needed to be made on the pitch because they didn't have to be that significant after uh, they failed to beat City in the, the Champions League quarterfinals last season. And I think the most galling thing for PSG is, yes, this has been a disappointing season in terms of Ligue 1 and the Champions League, but the most disappointing thing still when they think about the Champions League, I don't think will be uh, the humiliation they suffered in Barcelona this season. I think it's the fact that they didn't beat City when they really should have, uh, you know, the, the the season before. I think it was, uh, you know, it, it was the perfect opportunity for PSG. Uh, a lot of players were at their absolute peak, you know, the likes of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and they, you know, they they messed up that chance. And I think that that will still gnaw away uh, at at PSG. And I think it's. Uh, Certain things that needed to be taken care of last summer weren't, uh, and those things really need to be addressed this summer. You know, Patrick Kluivert's come in, essentially taken over the sporting director role. Olivier Letton, you know, had a token sporting director title, but essentially did nothing for the last couple of months of his uh, time at PSG. Uh, and, you know, Kluivert is the, is, is the guy calling the shots at this moment in time, but it's quite telling that, um, you know, aside from Alexis Sanchez, who PSG still uh, seem to be pushing ahead and trying to pursue, um, that Kluivert's and not being told to to go after any other targets because it sounds like PSG are very close to replacing him with either Andrea Berta from Atletico Madrid or Antero Henrique, who was uh, you know a, a sporting director at Porto a couple of years ago. So it sounds like PSG see that as the first piece of the jigsaw, um, you know, and then they can start taking care of uh, you know some of the changes they need to make on the pitch. And yes, there are more changes needed on the pitch now than there were last year, uh, but those changes were never going to happen without bigger changes happening behind the scene. And it only seems like PSG are waking up to the fact that those changes need to be made now. Seems yeah. to me like... Do you, Sorry. Go ahead, Eric. What about Unai Emery? Do, I, I mean, he's had, he had his moments in terms of the victory over, over, PS, uh, over Barcelona, but the frustration in the league... It, does he get to keep his job, or is this just, you know, in terms of the, this caliber of player, is this is this too, a bridge too far for him? I I see why people would make an argument to say that he's not cut out for for coaching PSG, but I think the other argument is how can we really judge Emery when it feels like he's not really been able to cut loose in the job just yet? He hasn't really been able to stamp his mark on the team in the way that he'd like to. Uh, you know, everyone was expecting PSG to play four two three one when he arrived. They did for the first couple of months, although that was mostly pre-season, uh, you know, and after a couple of games of the new season, they, you know, it, it turned into to 4-3-3 and it seemed like, um, you know, a lot of those over-coddled players got their way again. Uh, and, you know, the 4-3-3 the formation in every match, home and away, didn't work. You know, what would have been nicer would have been to see sort of a balance between the two, maybe play 4-2-3-1 away from home, be more attacking, uh, and play that 4-3-3 um, possession-based game, uh, you know, at home where, you know, they, they can be players uh, on their own patch. I mean, I, I can see why PSG wouldn't want to get rid of Emery. And I can see why they, they would as well. But I think it's better for them to stick with him at this moment in time, because unless they could say to, uh, you know, a real top 
quality coach. And by that, you know, I'm sort of talking about your Simeones, your Mourinho's, your Guardiola's, uh, essentially um, coaches who aren't going to come to PSG at this moment in time, unless you could say to one of them um, that they're going to get absolutely everything they want. They agree to take over the job and then it's up to PSG to um, either push Emery out in order to make space for them or... Um, you know, let Emery go somewhere like Roma. There have been lots of rumours that the Monchi would really like him there. Uh, you know, aside from that happening, I don't see how PSG could really uh, afford to to sack Emery at this moment in time because if they do that and then have to go on another search for a coach, uh, you know, 12 months or less after they appointed Emery, uh, you know, which coach in their right mind is going to take that job on because there just seems to be no security there. Well, the other, thing, the other thing I wanted to ask, sorry, briefly, Philip, is Always. do you feel that the role that player power has continued to have at this club is something that would potentially put off a top-level manager like a Simeone or like a Mourinho? I don't think so because I think um, characters like Mourinho and Simeone sort of relish um, you know, winning over those sorts of characters. I don't think that that would put them off uh, too much. In fact, I think it would more put off some of the players that might have experienced, um, you know, those those two as coaches in the past. You know, I'm thinking of the likes of, uh, you know, Di Maria, who played at Real Madrid under Mourinho. Uh, I, you know, I think that uh, player power is an issue at PSG, but I think it's only an issue because PSG have had some coaches who in the past, uh, you know, have taken a long time before they really win the players' respect. It took Blanc, uh, you know, into his second season. Uh, you know, before he had that moment where he, you know, absolutely flipped out in the, the dressing room away at Saint-Étienne, where the players really sort of sat up and took notice and sort of started to respect him. And I don't think Emery's had that moment yet. Yes, he inspired them to beat Barcelona 4-0. But, uh, you know, I think that that was one of the rare moments of where all the players were pulling in the same direction, working for the same cause, which is something that doesn't happen often enough on a you know sort of weekly basis for PSG, particularly in the leagues. I think PSG's biggest problem at the moment is that not enough of the players in the squad take Ligue 1 seriously enough. Yes, there's been other issues that have contributed towards Emery having a difficult debut season. Uh, you know, it didn't help that you know he came into his uh, his first campaign as PSG coach off the back of a grueling summer where most of the squad had either played in the Euros or played in Copa America. Uh, you know, and they've also come up against a fantastic Monaco side. You know, can't take anything away from Monaco this season. Uh, PSG didn't essentially lose the league because they were mm. crap. You know, uh, Monaco won it because they deserved to win it. You know, PSG have finished with their, I think, their second greatest points total in league on history. So yes, although there have been some real um, disappointing moments uh, for Emery, you know, he's still come back with quite an impressive points haul overall. I, I believe that uh, the guy who's uh, under most pressure at this moment in time is, is more Nasser El Khelaifi than, uh, than, than Emery. I, I can't really fathom him in at any uh, moment this summer where Unai will be given will be given the boot because Nasser has had so much so much criticism uh, being blamed uh, at him, and it, it all came came back to the Serge Aurier gate. Uh, being um, uh, mentioned once again this season after the guy actually uh, took 10 minutes to put on a pair of shorts. It's just, everybody was, was absolutely flabbergasted that, that a club has so, so many uh, great ambition, I mean the greatest ambition of any of any European football club to, uh, to, to, behave, to behave like this. And that's not that's not exactly Emery's Emery's fault. Uh, Nasser is more um, finger pointed in that um, in that uh, respect than than Emery. So I really don't don't see. I just I just don't see him being sacked. And also, 
we, we've got to remember that Piaget did achieve 96 points in that last season, which is a point more than Monaco's this season. So they, they actually um, <laughs> had more points than Monaco's this season, which is extre extremely hard to believe. And that um, Piaget actually, not in the Champions League, but Piaget peaked domestically. They peaked uh, in the Coupe d'Ali. They peaked in, in the Coupe de France. They peaked in Liga, and best season, best season of the club. Uh, they scored almost as many goals as Monaco did this season. And it's very, very hard for any manager, uh, even the best in the world, to tell the players who have had a great season, who've achieved almost everything, aside from you know beating Manchester City, to uh, to uh, to get to work and try harder than than last season, which is you know which uh, even Monaco didn't didn't achieve. So very yeah, very difficult uh, one for Unai, and I I'm positive that next one will be if he's still there, and I hope he is. Uh, that next one will be easier on him. Yeah, I agree. You know, I agree with those points. I think that Al Khalifi should be under more pressure than uh, you know than he is at the moment. I think, unfortunately, for PSG in that respect, um, QSI will never trust somebody who's not Qatari with owning PSG. So, uh, essentially, Al Khalifi stays in his position by default because. Um, you know, based on results that PSG have had over the last couple of seasons, particularly this one, yeah, Emery will be out, uh, you know, in any other sort of uh, a similar position. But because of PSG's uh, unique ownership scenario, I think that keeps him in a job. Uh, unless, of course, QSI and the, um, uh, and the Emir of Qatar, um, you know, get pally with somebody else uh, who they find, you know, uh, potentially acceptable alternative and they bring him in instead. Uh, but, you know, I don't see that happening despite the rumours of, uh, you know, bringing in, uh, you know, the crazy rumours of, of somebody like Sarkozy coming in. I, you know, I don't think somebody who is not Qatari by birth, uh, you know, will ever be um, trusted with the reins at PSG. So Al Khalifi, I think, is going to be in it for the duration. Uh, another thing that I would say in uh, Emery's defence as well, uh, I, I completely agree with you, it's very, very difficult to, to sort of follow in uh, uh, in Laurent Blanc's shoes after after last season, uh, where essentially the the two games that PSG messed up were the two against Manchester City that really counted. Otherwise, you know, they were absolutely excellent domestically. And as you said, uh, you know, probably better than the, the Monaco were this season. I just think it's such a novelty. Uh, that's why, you know, that's why people are, are celebrating this, this Monaco um, success in the way, in the way that they are. I'm not saying that it doesn't deserve to be uh, celebrated. I think it does. It's a fantastically well-assembled side, very, very exciting, very vibrant. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you're right. It, you know, if you do compare the, the two seasons that PSG and Monaco uh, had PSG last season, Monaco this season. You know, PSG's last season was more impressive overall, but at the same time, the reason why it was so impressive was because they didn't have uh, a strong Monaco like this one, uh, you know, to go head-to-head -head with um, in the gun and, the, and both domestic cups. But one other thing I wanted to say in defense of Emery is that something he has done, which I think is very important for PSG moving forward, whether they keep Emery in position or not, is that he has started to bleed in some of the players from the youth academy. And okay, perhaps it's still not quite enough for many people who look at how many fantastic youth academy graduates PSG produce, um, you know, every season. But the fact that you know uh, it's not just Rabiot sort of being the token uh, youth academy representative there anymore. You know, Kimpembe is a, uh, a serious alternative to the likes of Marquinhos and Silva in defence. Now, Ariola, yes, he had a very difficult um, first season as a, as, a, as a senior squad player at PSG this term. However, I do believe that he still has something to offer PSG. Uh, you know, then you've got some other players sort of knocking on the door. Okay, the, the situation with Augustin is disappointing, but he still has 
uh, picked up minutes here and there under Emery, even if he, you know, arguably should have been given more. Nkunku, I think, has been one of the, the quiet revelations of the season for PSG. I found it frustrating at times that it seems like where he's had a really good performance, he's then been dropped from the squad for the next game. But, you know, there are small signs of... Uh, of, of, of positivity uh, that PSG need to not content themselves with this summer, but look at, um, you know, when they're weighing up Emery's position, I think. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting one for PSG. It seems strange to say winning a cup, getting to a final and being in a Champions League and coming second with 87 points seems like a failure, but uh, that's sometimes how it goes when you've got so much money. But thank you, Jonathan, for, for joining us again. And it's great talking to you and we'll should talk to you hopefully again next season. Thanks again for having me on, guys. Pleasure, and I'll speak to you soon. <clears throat> uh, we move from on now to the champions and another guest um, of straight into it, and that's uh, French football writer uh, Robin Berno. Great to have you on the show, Robin. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you. And like I said, we'll go on to the champions after second place has already gone out of the way. And it's been a absolutely sensational season, really, to make shorts of it. Monaco, they got to the Coupe de la Ligue final semis of the Coupe de France, semis of the Champions League and obviously a Liga winner's medal in, in what is one of the most stylish fashions of any league this season. How incredible has this season been for them? Um, I think it's, it's difficult to to uh, overstate just how good Monaco have been this season. Um, picking up 95 points, as you say, is an incredible achievement. It's, it's the second most points that any team in, has ever picked up in Liga. Um, behind Paris Saint-Germain's 96 last year. Um, but I think what's, what's been most impressive is, is, as you said, the style they've achieved it. And they've played, you know, a really breathtaking a breathtaking brand of football. Uh, they've shown a capability to to break down all kinds of, of different defences. And all they've, they've been able to face up against all kinds of different challenges over the course of the season. Um, and, you know, to score over 100 goals, it's, it's the third most for most number of goals that any team's ever scored in a league on season. Um, it, it's really been quite incredible. It's, uh, you know, it's really put league on on the map. And I think one of the most impressive things about it is uh, the style and the, and the fact that they've managed to transition from really what was quite a, quite a dour defensive team that got to the, the Champions League quarterfinals a couple of years ago. Um, and as you say, they've now been one of Europe's most exciting teams to watch. Yeah, and I wrote an article the other week uh, just after their title celebrations and uh, researching it, seeing that they scored 157 goals this season and that's seven more goals than the two campaigns before that combined, which is absolutely incredible. <laughs> but there's, there's so many great young players in that squad as well. You go for the likes of Fabinho, Bernardo Silva, Lamar, uh, Mbappe is the clear, obvious favourite. But out of all of them, and it, it, it is a difficult question to answer and that's why I ask it, Robin, but... Um, Who's been the best player for them this season, or, or maybe the most influential? <clears throat> I think if you if you look at it over the course of the whole season, I think you have to go with Bernardo Silva. Obviously, Mbappe since Christmas has won so many headlines. He's been absolutely sensational. However, Bernardo Silva has been the guy who's been there. <clears throat> sorry, throughout the whole campaign, he's been he's he's been the guy that's really dictated so much of the play. He's he's an absolute artist to watch. Uh, He's such a classy player, a brilliant technician in the midfield. He's capable of opening up defences. He doesn't rely on pace or power. He's, he's a really intelligent footballer. He's, he's one of these guys that neutrals just want to see on the ball all the time because because of his poise on it. Um, he just looks 
he looks so stylish and he looks like he could fit into just about any team in the world. So uh, although Mbappe's grabbed so many headlines, I think Bernardo Silva has to be their man of the season. Yeah, and and a word on the manager as well, who's, like you mentioned, had a particularly defensive style when he came into Ligue 1. In the three years he's been here, it's, it's sort of slowly moulded into this attacking style and you rate a, a great piece on him before a Champions League game, I remember, Robin. And, and Jardim has really sort of galvanised this young team and, and you can see in the title celebrations as well how much he means to them as well. Can he stay long-term or is he clearly one of these next managers in line to get a real top job? When he first came to Monaco, he did say that he wanted to play with an attacking style. However, I don't know if you remember his first couple of games. I think his second game, he went to Bordeaux and I think they got beaten 4-0 or 4-1. Really played and was just so incredibly naive. Uh, it was just attack. It was brainless attacking, and, and they got picked off so easily. And it was after that that they they really sort of regressed into the defensive style, which obviously uh, suited them at the time. Um, but he's obviously been a manager who's always wanted to play in an attacking way, but perhaps hasn't been able to quite quite right until this season. Um, and if, I think. A long-term future in Monaco, like for the players, is probably quite difficult because there's a bit of a, a glass ceiling there, perhaps because of the the way the club's going to progress. I think you can see them becoming more of a sort of Porto-style club where they can perhaps get to the quarter-finals of the Champions League, the last 16 of the Champions League on a regular basis. But I think it's very difficult to be able to buy low and sell high and, and be very successful. I think ultimately he's going to get frustrated by that. Um, and if he doesn't go this summer, it might be next summer or, or the year after that. But, you know, his achievements have been incredible and he certainly deserves an opportunity at, at one of the best clubs in, in Europe. Yeah, and he's, he's certainly created an attacking style of football that really has been pleasing on the eye. But let's let's talk very quickly about sort of the future of Monaco and that's the speculation. There's links to every single player, to every club in Europe, it almost seems. But... Let's hope, from a sort of Ligue 1 perspective, what do you think it would class as the best summer for Monaco? Not, I'm, we'll make it a little bit easier in saying that not, someone has to go, but what will class as their best summer they could possibly have? Yeah, I mean, I think the best summer that they're going to have is is one where they sell as, as few of, the, of their players as possible. I mean, they've, they've already said that they want to keep Jardim. That's their priority, even above keeping Mbappe. They can keep Jardim and Mbappe... And, and if they can keep the core of the team, I mean, I think we'll definitely see a few players go. Sidibe, I think, is likely to go. Um, I understand that he was in Monaco on, on on the promise that he could leave after a season if he had a successful season. So it wouldn't be a surprise for me if, if he left. Um, Bakayoko, I think, will go. I think he'll go to the Premier League. Um, but I actually think he's probably one of their more uh, dispensable players in the midfield. Um, so, you know, if, if they could limit the damage to maybe losing only three or, or maybe four players, I, I think they'd have to consider that quite quite successful. It sounds like they're going to get Yuri Tielmans in from Anderlecht, who's, who's a player that's, that's had a lot of good things said about him. Uh, Monaco are probably just about an ideal club for him to go to at the moment at his stage in his career. If, if they can keep the core of the team introducing our two or three high-quality young players. I think Monaco will be pretty content with their season, or with their summer, sorry. 
and just hoping that not too many vultures end up circling in the summer. That's the worry. Uh, thank you, Robin, for, for joining us again and, and hopefully speak to you again next season. No problem, man. Absolute pleasure. Uh, we move on now to um, a t- side that sort of flitted between relegation and not being in the relegation fight, and that's Montpellier, uh, Eric. And they've had flattered to deceive sometimes this season. Sometimes they've looked excellent against the likes of Marseille at home, and, and we all remember the PSG game where they won a 3 0. But other times they've really struggled against t- sides in those relegation places around them. What, what do you make of their season? I think it's a positive. I think. I think I was frustrated when they, they got rid of Ponce uh, to bring in Jean-Louis Gasset in January, but at the time they were in the relegation zone, and, and it was something that they needed to do. Gasset righted the ship. He, he got them on a good, a good run and, and got them to avoid relegation. Ended up being a little bit closer towards the end of the season, but they did get enough points to get over the line. But this is a team that has evolved positively this season. They have finally spent a little bit of money. Uh, the sale of Sanson allowed them to bring in some, some players that I think are, are fairly exciting. In the winter window, I think that you look at the likes of Mbenza, Nordi Michele, and uh, Lucas McCorney are all players that are on the younger side of things. I think McCorney's 23, and the other other two are, are 19 or 20. So this is a team that's that's rejuvenating itself. I think that, which I think is a good thing. I think that if you look at players like Hilton, Daniel Congress, Liman Kamara, uh, Anthony Vandenborg, who who they brought in in the summer and didn't work out to be charitable. Uh, the goalkeeping situation. I, I think that they have relied for a long time on, on a lot of these veteran players. And, you know, they're maybe perhaps less likely to make a mistake. But again, you know, time is the indefatigable opponent. And I think the Montpellier were in a sore need of a, of a freshening up. Um, and I think that they've, they've, they've made the right moves to do this. Mukiele, in particular, I think is, you know, he's a, a French youth international. Exactly the right kind of player. Jonathan Akone on, on loan from PSG. Uh, if they can get him in again next season, I think would be great. He's looked really bright. Uh, and then Steve Mounier, I think, has been absolutely the revelation this season for this club, scoring 14 goals. Uh, you know, he's won more headers than any player in the league. Uh, he's got, you know, he's 6'3, he's, he's big, but he's got good movement. He's able to play in players as well. He's, you know, sometimes his passing doesn't come off, but the fact that he tries, the fact that he tries to be creative and link play, I think is important, again, for a first season in Ligue 1. I think he's done fantastically well. So there's there's a lot to look forward to for this team going forward. Elias Shakiri in, in central midfield has has come uh, from the academy as well, and he's really impressed. Uh, it looks like Boudoubouz will be off in the summer, but I think Montpellier can ride that out. Uh, I think that they've, they've, um, they've, they look really good with, with the younger players they brought in. And to avoid relegation, you know, being up against it, having to sell, you know, selling Sanson in the winter and and having to sell uh, in the summer as well, they they you know they're always going to be sort of behind the eight ball, if you will. I mean, they sold, I mean, Sahi, Martin, Dabo, you know, important players in the midfield were sold as well. They lost Ben Sabaini, who eventually ended up at Ren. So it, they were forced to make moves in the. To get rid of players, but they've they've written that out and, and credit to them. My concern for this team right now, though, is Michel Desercarie. Uh I, who has been appointed the manager, uh, he's come from Rennes to, and he's back in Ligue 1. Now he did what he did at not with limited means. He kept Le Canari in Liga. Job done. I give him credit for that. 
but he did it with a really negative style, uh, relying on on full on attack-minded fullbacks in Sissoko and Besat, and not were not fun to watch. And I I do so well. Mopé had done well to stay in the league. I do worry about them a little bit next year. Budibus looks set to go. Leon had been linked. Um, and I, I think at this point in his career, he's 27, 26, he deserves to go. He deserves to, to take a step up and, and test himself in European football. He's been a good servant for the club. I think it's his best season so far. But I worry about Dersakarian and his persona and his negative football uh, undoing the good work that Montpellier have done. I think that the, a lot of the younger players they brought in, even even Nicolas Saint-Ruf, or no, sorry, not Nicolas Saint-Ruf, he's, he's at Bastion now. My apologies. But the young players that they've brought in, that they've Modric, Giri, Mooney, Mukiele, Bacorni, Mbenza, uh, even Keegan Dolly to some extent. I know he's looked a little bit less impressive than those. But there's there's a good young core at Montpellier, and I worry about the potentially negative effects that uh, a manager like Jerzy could have on those players. I, I realize that Gasset was a, an interim solution and Hans wasn't working out. But there's got to be uh, more positive managers out there that – could come in and do a job. I mean, people had, have had a lot of good things to say about, say, Bernard Blackar at Nîmes. He's already in the area. He's also someone that's going to perhaps know be, and be familiar with players in Montpellier's catchment. And he's also endeavored to play positive football despite not having any significant amount of means, at least compared to the top clubs in Ligue 2. So there are managers out there that I think, you know, deserve a chance with with the exciting young talent Montpellier have. And I think there's and if Mopay wants safety, they're probably going to get it. But in terms of encouraging those players to stay and to play in an attacking style, I think that you're going to want to you're going to see these young talents running for the exit door uh, once they realize what life is like uh, under Jezakarian. I think I think uh, I can I can um, it was Jung that says uh, they are they are managers are much more worth it than Der Zakarian in in Ligue 1. Uh, I. I've been to a couple of games in Ligue 2 all season, uh, 10 or 15 maybe, and Reims, who uh, were managed by Der Zakaïens this season, were by far the most boring side to watch. I mean, very, very one-dimensional, uh, very, uh, well, solid isn't even even the word, because uh, when you attacked them, it wasn't uh, it wasn't that good. And Reims finishing seventh is a huge, huge blow for for everything everything surrounding the club. And yeah, second those thoughts as well. That uh, under under not Derzakarian, under Derzakarian, so, sorry, not were not great fun to watch. But I, saying this, I I think the guy uh, knows how to stay in league though. I think he knows how to how to manage the players and uh, some think of think of him as a as a French Sam Allardyce, if if you will. Let's move on to a, a, a side that did struggle until the very end of the season as well, at least, and that's Caen, Philip, who mm. seemed to save themselves against a big side again, and it's ju- that goal in the very last minute has just kept them up, and that's sort of been the story of their season, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I still can't get my head around it as to how this side actually stayed um, stayed up. They were absolutely uh, awful at the back. Uh, they do have a, a decent goalkeeper. I mean, Remy Vercoutre is uh, is not a, is not a bad goalkeeper. Um, he's uh, he's played most of the games. He's played thirty four games out of out of thirty eight. Patrice Garand, he uh, he started with uh, with some kind of a va- variation between four four two and four five one. Then um, 
it was uh, it was very hard at the start of uh, of the season with uh, lots and lots of defeats. Uh, their first um, their first real win, uh, shall we say, came uh, in the beginning of November against Nice, where uh, Garon for the first time played a five three two, and it was really a five three two. I mean, you really had the four backs right next to the three centre backs, um, and you can you could do that against uh, against Nice, and yeah, it did it did work, but. It was such a negative and, and such a porous, porous defense that you still can't really get your head around as to how, how they didn't, uh, how they managed to to stay up. Uh, there was a question. I mean, uh, uh, that was meaning to ask. Uh, I mean, was were was it that PSG was uh, too um, um, not professional enough on on Saturday evening, or was it that Cole deserves the equalizer? I mean, didn't watch the whole game, so I'm not going to to uh, to respond that. But uh, it's still still a big belief. I mean, when, when I checked out the score, I said, you know, can't do at PSG. Seriously, I mean, I, w I was expecting PSG to to roll over them, but you know, they, they did they did they did what they had to do. The club is in um, uh, needs a major rehaul, though. Uh, lots of players need to uh, need to leave. Lots of uh, the youth has to be given uh, its, its chance. There are very, very reasons to be to be hopeful for for Caen, uh, unless uh, you get rid of uh, of most of the deadwood and give uh, give Hughes a chance and try and try to be solid, to be solid at the back. That's it's basically the best Caen can can hope for. Saying this, you've got the two, uh, you've got the playoff now. You've got the two promoted sides in Strasbourg and Amiens who haven't achieved a lot of points, and uh, they'll be uh, they'll be wary wary as well. So. Um, yeah. So, sorry, carry on. Carry on. Let me finish off your point, if you like. No, I was finished. <laughs> That's all right. That's a, an, an abrupt ending, probably perfect to introduce our next guest, and that's Lorient fan. Unfortunately for him, I suppose uh, Chris Carpenter. I mean, we've, Chris, we've just mentioned the team that have sort of nudged your team into that relegation playoff. That must have been a really disappointing end to what looked like at least a, an upwards curve at the end of the season, but they seemed to dip just at the wrong time, didn't they? Yeah, evening Nathan. Thanks very much for having me and even to everybody on the show. Um yeah, I'm I'm a very bitter man. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. I uh I sat here and uh, I I sent a tweet out pre sort of game and said this is how I see it finishing. When when I when I came on the show previously um a few weeks back, I I think I was the only person that picked Khan to to drop and I was I was sitting there smugly going ah, ha ha, I did tell you. Um <laughs> and then it all went spectacularly wrong. But I've got a real I've got a real issue with PSG um, damn you they just seem to sort of I just knew it was coming and it has to be said Khan had a perfectly good goal disallowed for offside which should have stood so I, I can't hold it against them they did what they had to do but as for Lorient perspective yeah I mean I feel I mean part of me sort of kind of excited that we get the extra game the first team in, in Liga to experience this playoff game um, but I'm really, I'm really quite nervous now because the momentum was there to stay up. They didn't take the opportunity they were given. Um, Bordeaux, you know, were, were not brilliant on the night, but did enough. And and going behind was was just so crucial because I, I just felt if we got in front, it would have stayed. Probably, you know, would have been able to get enough to grind out a result. But ultimately, it's it's a failing, it's a failing season, and uh, you know they've only got themselves to blame to be in this position. And now they've got two. Well, huge, massive cup finals for for the games against Troyes, and um, I can't say I'm confident, but I think they'll just about have enough. Mm, in Troyes, uh, 
with a disappointment really of seeming like they were going up as well automatically and getting that snatched away from them at the last moment. It might be a really interesting, disappointing weekend, really. Well, weekend two games for both of them. But that that loss as well to Bastia a couple of weeks ago was the real soul crusher. But let's maybe take some positives this season. What what has has been positive for Lorient this season? Has there been any specific player you can pick out that's really shone at any point? Or is there any... I suppose it, it might be difficult to say at this point, but is this something that maybe was a little bit of a leading light for them? Yeah, this might be brief. Um, I mean, not really. It's, it's the short answer. I mean, I suppose you you probably look at some of the the, the players who consistently they rely on. So I look at the two forwards um, in uh, in Waris and Makanjo. I mean, they're clearly the the, the key men, and without them. I, dread to think they probably would have finished bottom by a, a street um it's probably been more about the, the disappointments of this season i mean i i look at some of the players in that squad that i thought would kick on um you look at the likes of jimmy cabo's had a, a fairly decent season but hasn't really kicked on from what i thought he would last season um if, if you uh, Valid Meslub has been largely, I mean, tw- 21 games a season, hasn't really, again, been, been the player that I hoped he would be. Defensively, it's, it's been all over the shop. Um, I'm a, a really big fan of uh, Benjamin Lacanta. I, I thought he was a really good up-and-coming goalkeeper. It's hard to believe he's now 26 and seemingly his career has gone backwards. Um, he he just seemed to be a player that, you know, he had that injury, of course, mid-season that kept him out, but he never really uh, looked to be the player that I thought he would be. Um, and, and probably the biggest disappointment for me up front was, was um, Benjamin Jano. I know he was subject to a bid for Toulouse in the January window and he didn't move on. Um, 20, for a 25-year-old to play 17 games and not get a goal, uh, I, again, I thought he was a player that maybe might be in the Gamera mould, a player that would never really rip up trees, but would be a consistent goal threat. And he just hasn't been at all. Um, so I'm, I'm genuinely struggling to find a player that I can put my finger on and say, yeah, he's he's been pretty decent. I thought Perbenes was a, a decent buy at the time. Um, he probably came in at the right time defensively. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I probably would turn the question back. You know, I, I really can't think of any particular bright spot. Maybe Sylvain Marvo at a push, but is that really a bright spot? Yeah, I, I would I would have to tend to concur, Chris. I think that it's been a frustrating season that there's not been enough leadership, especially defensively. And you look at someone like Zarco Torre, I think who's totally fallen off a cliff this season after a decent season. I think that obviously Lorient's transfer losses, like of likes of Ndong and Guerrero, were important players to them in the past, and they, and they struggle a little bit to 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 you know make up for those losses. But you know, but there hasn't been enough investment for me. I mean, they have brought in a player like Wakaso, a player like Stephen Morera. I feel like that, you know, this club underinvested in terms of how much money they made in the summer. We're talking thirty million plus euro, and to not see that reinvested in a significant way, it's hard to believe that the club are in that much of a dire situation financially. They can't spend, say, half of that on on players. You think what, you know, given the sales we've seen in in Liga, how you know that you could get three very very decent players for that amount of money, but rather than spending, say, 800000 on a paper nest or something like that, that, they, that if they had invested in a higher caliber player, I don't think the relegation would, would have been a worry. And trying to do it on on the cheap, I think, has gotten into the situation. 
And I agree with you. I think they will go through the playoff. I don't think Trois are up to much, especially considering how potent Lorient can be in attack. But uh, I, I think it's a matter of opportunity lost in terms of, you know, of, of the money that they had coming in in the summer and how they failed to reinvest that. Maybe they wanted to take a long view of the market and they plan to spend this summer. But if they're in League 2, that's probably going to be a moot point. Mm. And, I, and I would just... Sorry, go on, Nathan. No, you, I would say that's the worry. You can carry on, Chris. That's that's really the worry for you, isn't it? If you drop, it's it's just more difficult if than ever, really, to get back in. Yeah, I mean, I, I would argue that Eric's point is bang on there about leadership, such a, a key role. I I seem to pick teams that, that lack leaders. Um, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan. And I think, you know, our club captain has played sort of half a game in like two years. Um, so I'm, I'm, all about, I'm all about lacking leaders in the clubs I follow. And I think with Lauren, it's exactly the same. It, it's, it's, a, it's a rudderless ship at the moment. And, and it, it strikes me that there isn't enough, enough uh, sort of leaders on the pitch, both defensively and even in midfield. You look at Lan- Jan Schufer when, when he left. I mean, he's obviously a, a legend in, in these parts. And, you know, I'm delighted to see he had such a good season with Mets. But he was a proper captain, a proper leader and, and a real sort of player that you'd look to to, to do something special or drive on those players around him and if you're going to bring in youth or, or players sort of on the cheap you need somebody to meld them and, uh, and keep them together and we haven't had that and I do worry that in the summer you, you say about what happens if if they drop to be honest I'd be worried about what happens if they stay up because there might be that element of well we've you know we, we went close but we've managed to stay up it'll all be all right in the end there aren't many clubs, as much as it pains me to say it, worse um, than, than Laurie on this season. Well, clearly, because there's only been two below them. Um, and I, I just worry if the investment isn't isn't there in the summer. Um, I can't see Worries and McAndrew remaining. Certainly one of them will go in the summer, in my opinion, even if it's to a, a lesser team in, in Europe or maybe a lower Premier League side, for example. Um I just, where do the goals come from if, if you sell them off? And Laurie and I've always been a club that will sell to the highest bidder if, if a club comes in for one of the, the talented players. Fortunately, there aren't too many talented players in there at the moment, but if they do lose one or two, um, even if they do remain, and I concur with Eric, I think they will get through the playoff just about by outscoring Twy, if nothing else. The the long-term future of the club, and uh, I don't know if you've got this written down, but specifically the manager, um, I think there has to be quite a big change for the club to, to kick on to be comfortable next season. Yeah, and there's plenty of speculation around his future still and, and everything like that. Thank you, Chris, for, for joining us for a brief chat on Laurie and hopefully speak to you again next season. Yeah, pleasure. Anytime. Uh, really enjoy the show and um, thank you for having me on. No problem at all. Uh, we've had a swift exit from Philip that we would have introed out if he was still here, but he's swiftly headed off. But we are joined by another expert on French football and that's our um, very own Adam White. Uh, thank you, Adam, for joining us. Hi, hi, Nathan. How's it going? Really well. Uh, so we're slowly battering through these teams, and I'll throw you in the deep end straight away. And that's a team that's really had a season of two halves, and that's Angers. Um, I know you're a fan of, of how they perform and and the like. And they've they really struggled in that first half of the season, but they managed to pick up just about enough of, of form to really escape relegation in the end, or or at least stay well clear of it in the end, didn't they? Adam? Yeah, they did. I think that mid that sort of mid part of the season, they were really, really struggling with players away at the African Nations Cup, and and they were sort of 
they've honestly looked like they were they were on the verge of relegation or they'd be fighting relegation at least for the rest of the year. Um, I think we talked about on our, on our previous show on Thursday nights about the fact that they they really did look in trouble. But once those players came back, obviously Shaken Doy was a was a big miss over over the course of January. He's huge for them as a way of Senegal. Carl Toko Kambe is a huge outlet on the right hand side. They missed him over seven games in the in in the in the winter as well. And Framar De Hedu is the real focal point. So those, when those three players came back, they really kicked on. And Stefan Moulin, I think, has done a really underrated job. He's been absolutely fantastic since since they're promoted and getting them promoted as well. They 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 play really good football. It isn't necessarily sort of as flashy or as in your face as, as perhaps some of the other teams. You know, they don't stand out in that regard. But they've got some really lovely little little players. Thomas Mangani has been brilliant. Uh, Centre backs Tamara and, and Troy have been have been fantastic since promotion. And you know, they, they've they've done very well to to get into that mid tail position and um and have a cup final to look forward to. So it's been a, I think it's actually been a relatively productive season. A 12th place finish for a club with, I think, the smallest budget in the league is is, is an impressive return. So I think Mulan and his squad would be happy with that. Yeah, and they have to also be happy with a player like Nicolas Pepe, who's attracting interest really from all corners of Liga, it seems, with Marcelo Bielsa reportedly watching him at the weekend. Do you think he goes this summer as well? And and, and what do you think to him? Yeah, I, I think I think he will. I think he will go this summer. I, he's been used relatively sparingly since since uh, January, to be honest. Also, is away at the African Cup of Nations, but he very nearly went on deadline day in in January. And since that point, it's almost like they they've known that he'll be leaving at the end of the season. And he's been used sort of very sparingly, as I mentioned, in and out the side. He's only really what started five six games since then. He started the last two as well at the end towards the end of the season. Um, I don't know if he'll start the cup final, though he, there's a lot of competition in that area in the squad. Uh, Pierre Capel, Jonathan Bamber have performed well at times this season. Um, so there's there is some competition, but I think given that he's his age is 21 and he's 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 got sort of that X factor that perhaps some of the other players in that position in their at least in their squad don't don't have. Um, and I think in terms of talent and potential, he he is above you know most of their squad in terms of where you would expect to see him in two or three years time and um i think he, he could easily go to somewhere in, in the top half of Liga and or even abroad but i think probably probably Liga and i think he'd be a good fit um at, at sinetien perhaps i know that marseille were linked very heavily in in the winter but i don't know that um that, that he might the way they're looking in terms of transfers now i don't know if he necessarily suits them he certainly wouldn't start for them going forward given they've got he's got two van and dimitri Pae to contend with on the wings but he's very direct very quick but he's also got that sort of little bit of like he looks like he's going to make something happen something unusual he's not just a, an athlete he's, he's a very very skillful player as well and and can pick a pass and can finish too so i think he he's got a, a bright future ahead of him and i think there are a number of league and clubs that would jump at a chance to sign him and i think given Andre's limited resources uh, you know, a, a, a bit of, of a relatively small bid by comparison to the, the, the you know the, the, the things we're seeing in terms of transfer bids and transfer moves. You know, he could, could prize him away, and I think Andre would be okay with that. I kind of think they they kind of need to sell those sort of players. It's almost like their model, if you like, that they can they can get promoted and they can sell on their, some of their talented young young players. He was picked up relatively, you know, relatively obscurely at the last summer. So I think it would have been a good return if they get you know sort of five, maybe even slightly more million from euros wise. That would be a, a good a good deal for all parties concerned, I think. But yeah, I'd love to see him in league and playing for one of the sort of top eight sides. I think he'd be, he'd be an asset to them. Yeah, and I think that'd be a really excellent sort of next step up for a player like that. And a, and a decent end to the season is, like you've rightly said, with that sort of budget, you, you have to really commend Mulan and his, and his team for staying up yet again quite comfortably. So excellent season for them in the end. And another team that really turned it round after a worrying start of the season, Eric, was Nolte, who 
have had a real incredible second half of the season, at least under Conte Sao, who really has been a revelation in Liga this season, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't. I don't think we can say enough praise for Conte Sao, given where this team were, given that he's got these these players. Uh, you know, since since he took over, I mean, this club's form is is enough to be in the Europa League. Uh, they have 38 points in 22 matches under Conte Sao. Uh, two teams have 39, and then beyond that, it's the, it's the top three. I mean, this is an absolutely incredible achievement. He's he's had the younger players improving. I'm thinking the likes of Dubois, Romagier have come on leaps and bounds. The players he's brought in have worked out, particularly Prejus Nakuma, who were really impressed at the, at the Africa Cup of Nations. He's come in. He's been a reliable sto- scorer. Emiliano Salas had the best season of his career. That's no coincidence. Uh, and he's he's got this team playing really well. He they they know their roles. He's he's also promoted the young goalkeeper Maxime Dupe. Uh, not have a strong academy tradition, and and what Conceição has done is to pl- play with an attacking style that harkens back to not strong history. He's integrated those young players. Will also, uh, you know, bringing in the right kinds of canny veterans and, and, and allowing them to play as well. It's you know. I mean, some of the players that have come in predate him, obviously. Lucas Lima has been really good, too, and he's he's from the summer. But I think that Conte Sao has has his team playing consistently. He's he's a big favor of not rotating players. And that had been a problem, I think, in terms of, you know, particularly the wingers and the strikers earlier in the season. He played Stepinski. He played Kachanislik, Nicholas. He played Nikolai Thompson. And there wasn't really a level of consistency in terms of the not attacking play, but he has his team playing positive attacking football without losing that solid defensive core that they have. And I think they're really one to watch. I know, I know that there are other clubs that are also looks at to improve over the summer in terms of Marseille, in terms of Lille with their, with their investment in their new ownership. But I think that we shouldn't perhaps even count out not as being a European contender next season. If Conceição can hang on to the core of players that he has, he's, I, I, there's not I, obviously Jardim and Fav, their achievements have been a lot more impressive this season. But I think in another season we would be talking about Conte as being manager this season, nineteenth, I believe, when he took over. Uh, to I think they finished the season seventh, and they're there. So that's European form over over the time he's been in, in charge, and that's really saying something, especially considering that 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 there's four teams in the current top three in, in Marseille that have been in really good form down the back half of the season. And to rank right behind them is a really, really impressive achievement given the players he had to work with and Nantes' resources overall. Yeah, I think there was a stat the the other day where if their Liga season had started when Concisau was initially appointed, the Nantes would have finished fourth, which is a credible testament to how well he did in that second half of the season and how he really turned them around. Uh, another team, and you've mentioned them briefly there, that have had an excellent second half of the season is Marseille. And who better to get in than French football journalist uh, Mohamed Ali to talk about his side and their dramatic term. And welcome to the show, Mo. Hi, good evening. Yeah, from doom and gloom, really, at the start of the season, we were chatting to real European qualification, which you mentioned earlier this season was probably your ideal scenario for this club. The fifth place above above Bordeaux, you must be delighted with the, with the end of the season under Rudy Garcia, remaining unbeaten for those last uh, eight or ten games. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, considering um, at some point in October or after the defeat in November to Monaco, you know, Marseille were 12th in the table. Um, and having gone, you know, through the plays that they still had and the, 
and the starting point really for of, of the club uh, at the beginning of the season was Frank Passy with no owner, no permanent coach, and you know really no direction it, to finish fifth in what was a very competitive league season this you know this year was uh, is a very good achievement for all the players. And let's focus on one real bright spot, and that's uh, Florian Tuvan, who had an excellent season both in front of goal and assisting. He's really, mm. really matured, hasn't he, into that role of being a, a little bit more of the figurehead now at Marseille. And he seems really settled. Do, do you see him growing into a real superstar, possibly at the Stade Velodrome? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is this was his, you know, proper, um, you know, coming of age, really, um, because of you know. He did have a difficult season last year, both in England and a pretty mixed um, loan spell uh, this time last year. Um, and the fact that you know he did make an effort to return to Marseille, he knew that maybe this is this is a uh, turning point for his career because if he doesn't, if he hadn't really imposed himself this year, then people definitely would have written him off. Um, so for for him to really, you know, take a failing team, you know, by the horns and to impose himself and to you know, learn from the leaders in the dressing room, such as Bafetimbi Gomez, he, he spoke a lot of uh, Gomez's influence uh, this uh, this weekend, and to really you know become almost almost like a figurehead, like you like you said, uh, of this new Marseille project, just goes to show how much he's really worked and developed this uh, this season. And it's credit to him because obviously two or three seasons ago he'd been labelled as a you know bad boy of French football or somebody who was ready to you know throw his career away after, you know, um, you know, the acrimonious move from Lille and, um, you know, just, you know, not really being given, given his all, you know, could have turned into another, you know, another Ben Arthur, for example, back in his uh, early days. Um, but no, absolutely. People speak of him as a future Marseille captain of a person that will stay at Marseille for a very, very long time. It wasn't, it was just about 15 months ago where um, he, he was targeted by the Marseille fans um, having a bottle thrown at him um, twice, actually, before he left for Newcastle and after when Marseille lost 5-2 to Rennes uh, last spring. And, you know, it just goes to show how much things have changed in a very short period of time. Yeah, and it's crazy what money can do for you sometimes, isn't it? But let's mm. <laughs> let's focus on sort of maybe what we're looking at in the future, and that's sort of gearing towards this interesting summer that Marseille are looking at and, and bringing in extra players. What What do they need to do this summer to really compete possibly on a, on a Champions League level with the likes of maybe that third spot being up for grabs with, with Leon losing some players and, and Nice maybe not being able to keep the same calibre of players. What do Marseille need to do to ruffle some feathers in that in those top three spots? Yeah, and no, it's easy, you know, when a club comes into money to just, you know, spend on a marquee signing or three in terms of, you know, when you look at Paris Saint-Germain. But um, what Marseille needs to do is replicate um, what you know, Monaco and Nice have done um, to spend widely, but spend wisely as well. Um, there's no surprise that you know the club needs to recruit about eight or nine players this summer um, because you know the, the, much of the squad this season were either loan deals or players that were signed you know for free uh, or for very low amounts of transfers. There's a lot of dead wood in the squad, so you know they Marseille do have a lot of work. The leaders do have a lot of work to kind of build the squad with uh, some decent talent and some decent cover as well. To build a proper squad of 23 miles, they've kind of been lumbering with a squad of 18 for the past two or three years for, because of those financial difficulties. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, recruiting domestically would be a very good shout because of the fees, you know, the manageable fees involved. Um, 
But, you know, there will be one or two marquee signs, particularly at number nine. You know, a proven goal scorer across Europe um, would 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 be a very good, uh, you know, a very good decision to make uh, because, you know, the club are embarking on European football next season and they do want to return to uh, the Champions League. That's the aim for next season as well. Uh, so getting a renowned goal scorer such as, you know, Javier Hernandez, for example, who I think is not enjoying a good situation at Bayer Leverkusen, um, you know, that possibly could be a good thing. Keeping Bafetimbi Gomez, you know, I think would be also be a good shot or recruiting Valer Germain from Monaco that, you know, that would be, that would be decent too. So pretty much, you know, I think eight or nine players is the aim uh, this summer. But then again, you know, it's not worth spending a hundred million just for the sake of it. So I really hope that the club have done their homework because this has been a long time coming. Mm, yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting summer. We've mentioned already in places like Lille, but it's going to be excellent to watch what happens at the Velodrome and how they decide to expand this team with the with the newfound style. So thank you for joining us again, Moe, and we'll just speak to you again next season as well. We'll look forward to it again. Hopefully it's less topsy-turvy this time. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, joining us now to talk about the team that missed out on Europa League football, at least for now, in Bordeaux, is uh, is our friend from Jeff Fenn and Jeff and writer Raphael Jutkoban. Uh, thank you for joining us, Raphael. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, let's talk about a really interesting season, really, under Gorvanek, where it got off to a relatively slow start, but they built up a considerable amount of speed, especially in that second half, where for the longest time, it was only PSG that was really their conquerors over the first sort of three months of 2017. How do you rate his first season at the Mammut? I'd say... Overall, it's obviously a lot better than last season, that's for sure. We've got more of them, we've solidified more, we've got more of a, a, a sort of a plan, an attacking plan, game plan. We know what we're doing. So I think overall, to go from 11th to 6th is obviously a great improvement, especially considering the last few years. So, yeah, what, what Gorvanek has brought us has been defensive stability as well as more of a more of a concrete plan to approach games with. Let's talk about some of those more leading lights and, and, and players that have really shined for for Bordeaux. And there's the likes of Malcolm, who's had his his brief yeah. moments, and then then also springing to mind, Laborde had his moments as well. Who's really stood out for you for Bordeaux this season? Uh, for me. For me, it's been uh, it's been Yunus Sankaré who came who came in in January from Lille. Uh, most fans were quite not very optimistic about it because obviously yeah, he hadn't been he hadn't had a great season first half of the season at Lille. That we thought you know it's just Gourvenec bringing along some of his old some of his old Gangon players, but in the end, in the end, he's brought us. Um, this this element of stability in midfield as well as as well as chipping in with a few goals for me he's been the reason that we've we've, pl- we've managed to play so well in the second half of the season and sort of go on go on this run to go up, up to sixth because obviously we, we only lost to the top three in the second half of the season so over, I, I think it's he, he's been the instigator of all that after that you've got obviously you've got um Got Yusuf Sabali as well at right back, who's, who's had an impressive season. Hopefully, hopefully we can can try and get him on a permanent deal. And 
Yeah, that that would really be the ideal yeah. scenario, wouldn't it? We'll finish with someone who I've really enjoyed this season, and I hope it's shared by yourself. And that's uh, Valentin Varda, the young Argentinian who has slowly sort of built his way into the side and was a real force in the second half of the season. Is is he a kind of player that Govanek should build this new Bordeaux team around with his youth and his uh, exuberance to get box to box? I'd say so, yeah. I mean, he's he's obviously he's become more prominent in the team in the second half of the season. You can tell you can tell in Govanek's starting 11s that he's... The, the the midfield's really been picked around him and Songkai as a sort of tandem. So obviously he's quite a creative player as well. So and as well as being um, a sort of sort of well box to box really, in French. So I'd say he, he should be the sort of person that we should, we should be building around next season definitely. And, and having one of the more exciting young French managers as well does does help as well. Uh, thank you, Raphael, for for joining us this evening, and uh, we shall sp- speak to you again soon. Let's move on to a team that well, we've mentioned a few teams now that have had an excellent second half of the season, but let's go with one that had a really great first start to the season, Adam, and that's Toulouse. I mean, we all love Pascal Dupraz, and it's difficult not to, but. His team has really dipped in the second half of the season quite alarmingly and, and we're flirting with those relegation places for a brief moment. And we're a little bit stale, really, in the second half as well, even though they brought in some attacking players. What sort of changed in that second half of the season that, that really unsettled their rhythm? It's a really interesting question because I feel like it, there's a number of factors. I, I first, I feel like they kind of run out of steam. I think with Duprez, and, and again, those of you who listen to our Thursday night pod will know how much of a fan... And with him, as you mentioned, it's difficult not to be, but it's almost like the his teams are very sort of there's a lot of sort of they're sort of wound very tight, and I think he sort of builds them up in terms of their their in terms of their sort of mentality and they're sort of running on sort of quite a sort of they're very pressurized if you see what I mean, and they kind of run out of steam towards sort of the middle part of the year, and they couldn't keep those intense and sort of very aggressive battling, especially midfield performances, up um, as consistency as he he would have liked. So they they their sort of intensity dropped as a as a squad as they reached that middle part of the season, and they they realized that you know they weren't going to get relegated or they didn't look like they were and they weren't going to be pushing for Europe anymore even though they looked like they might be there in the top three or four at the early early part of the season as you mentioned so it kind of just sort of just dropped off a little bit and that 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 for a quite small percentage overall is is it was enough for this team to 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 sort of drop in performance and they lost that that edge that really gave them that fantastic result against Monaco at home and beating PSG at home as well they were brilliant in those two games um I think when you look at players like Alexis Blanc, he's crucial for for for, for Toulouse, and I think Depres highlighted him around around Christmas time. But he's been f- struggling with a really sort of niggling um, like heel injury, and I think he had to have an operation on it um, over on it over the summer. It's it's something that's really affected his game, and when he hasn't played very well, neither of Toulouse. So that's one one area that they've also struggled in um i think as well that if they hadn't signed andy delaw it could have been a little bit worse for them too he gave them a bit of a shot in the arm for for sort of a month or two and they, they looked a little bit better when he first signed they had a couple of four goal wins in his first few games which arguably you know kept them out of that relegation fight so it's hopefully next season they can sort of find a way to maintain that intensity and keep though that midfield that midfield area a little bit fitter i think oscar trejo will be a big miss next year but they'll obviously hopefully keep Blanc. 
Um, um, I think Jan Bodega perhaps get more of a more of a chance, and he, I think he's a very good player. So I think it's keeping that that core of the the Pras generation wound tight and 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 fit that would be the Pras next season. Very quickly, let's talk about probably my favourite defensive partnership in Liga, and that's Issa Diop and, and Christophe Julian. They've both had excellent seasons, really, and a p- potential really for the if they can keep especially Diop in that, that they can have a real solid base for, for years to come. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think they're very underrated in terms of a defensive partnership. I'm a huge fan of them both. Um, Issa Diop has been linked with, with with big moves already this this week and in the last the last few months, and justifiably so. He's sort of been in the team for about 18 months now. He's only he's only 20, and anybody that saw the um, the under-20 World Cup game, uh, France this morning when they beat Honduras 3-0, he was, he was monumental in that game, and it really showed what a leader he could be and, and how sort of varied and versatile he could be in terms of uh, being a centre-back. He reads his game really well. He's quick. He's great in the air. You know, he's, he's good in the opposition box too. And I think Julian's is perfect fall for him. He's also fantastic in the opposition area, has a very similar profile, perhaps a little bit more experience, and they really work in tandem fantastically well. And they are they have been a huge, huge base for, for Toulouse's better performances and really saved them when they haven't performed too well. So they're arguably, in terms of a pair outside the top three or four, the best centre-back partnership in the league. And if they can keep them both, I don't know that they'll keep deal, but I think Julian... Julian might be a good fit for someone like Leon, to be honest, as well. But if they can keep them both, it'll be huge going into next season. And they're, they're genuinely a, a fantastic pair. And I think they've done very well to sort of mould them together with with the young players around them. So really interesting to watch. And hopefully they can keep them both and push on next season. Yeah, that's the real hope that this young side, with a lot of interesting young French players especially, can sort of move back into the sort of middle places. And even maybe if they can contend in the European places again, that'll be really interesting. But that's... Yet to be seen, really, with the team. Let's let's move on to a, a side that just about really escaped a relegation fight, really, with a strong second half of the season again. And we can only talk about Mets with with one person, really, and that's French football writer Jeremy Smith. Thank you for joining us, Jess. Hi, how you doing? Very well, thank you. Let, let's talk about your side, who, like we mentioned, after the, it was a really interesting January transfer window, and bringing in someone like Sheikh Diabate to get the goals that they were really struggling with sort of propelled them into this position that's finally seen them stay in league on this season. Yeah, I think um, that, I mean, going into the start of the season, uh, we all felt that uh, we'd had a really good summer transfer window as well. But the only concern or the main concern was defence and possibly uh, sort of out and, out and out striker and, you know, someone that could be relied on for goals. Um and the first month or so, it looked like we were doing okay with with Erding. But um, I mean, I've always thought I've never really thought of him as a as a, a great striker, and he always seems to um, perform in fits and starts. Like have great sort of months or two, and then vanishes months on end. Which this time it was partly down to to injuries as well. But um, as soon as he went quiet, Mets went quiet, had a lot of off the field problems, and then yeah, the the sort of genius move was to bring in Jake Diabate in January who um you know I think is over a goal every two games and <coughs> it was basically his his goals that kept us up yeah but, um, I mean it's Mar- not sorry carry on Jeremy no no go on it, uh, it, it cut off then it went a little bit strange but he does my favorite chant at least in Liga we were talking about it earlier on Twitter it's a it's a, it's a superb new little one I, I'd, I'd not heard anything like that one it's really Really interesting one, but like you were saying, he's he's really added an extra focal point to, that they were missing, weren't they? 
I think it's it's a couple of things. Firstly, it was yeah, there's that, that focal point at the um, um, you know, up front and center, which I think probably helped um, Ismail Assar as well because there was something to actually aim for rather than just head down and straight off the off the pitch. Um, and then also, I think it pro you probably can't understate what an influence he's he's had sort of off the pitch and just generally the atmosphere you know the everything that happened with the start of the season was okay we already had taken a couple of batterings um i mean as an aside i think we had over 10 defeats of three goals or more and it's in in a sense it's spectacular that we stayed up i think only three teams in the history of the french league have stayed up with a worse goal difference and sort of not since like the 50s or something um things started okay until we lost 4-0 to Nossi in the derby and then the following match was the one with the um the flare against Lyon which caused um i mean as well as obviously the cancellation of the match and the um temporary loss of points it also caused a lot of political problems and nastiness within Mets with the main sort of ultra group being banned and it <laughs> It's maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but Diabate, the he just seems such a good guy. Always a smile on his face, um, good with the fans, good with the rest of the team, and I think that's that feel good factor, um, as well as his goals on the pitch. I think did sort of help calm the whole atmosphere within the club and and help them in the second half of the season. Yeah, and, and another player that I, I wrote a piece on earlier this week, and that. I, Pretty sure you didn't want me to quite write it yet, Jez, with the with the speculation already coming around in, and that's Ishmaili Saw, the youngster from from Senegal, and the generation foot again link with the uh, Mets really coming off clean. He's had a super second half of the season, and every time he seems to take the pitch, there's a little spark of something, isn't there? A little bit extra special about him, and he his a, he was another player again that's just <coughs> propelled Mets again to to safety, hasn't he? Yeah, I think the first half of the season. I mean, when he when he first arrived, we we heard all this stuff about you know he's his his coaches say he's better than Sadio Mane and um, you know he's a real one for the future. So, but at the same time, we knew he was young and raw, so we weren't sure what kind of a chance he'd get. And then the very first match, he came on as a sub against Lille and, and pretty much turned the match on its head. Um, then, yeah, he sort of went quiet. He went into a sort of Walcott role of you know looking promising with his speed and then not knowing what to do at the end of it sort of crossing when he should have shot shot shooting when he should have crossed or like i said basically just running off the pitch sort of forest gump style but he went to um <coughs> the african cup of nations and i think maybe that really sort of helped him mature maybe gave him a bit of confidence apparently he's sort of quite a shy lad i think um He's, he's sort of struck up quite a friendship with Diane, who was another January signing. And yes, in the second half of the season, he's, he's just, he's been fantastic. He's really showing end product as well. He's, he must be, if not the most, among the most fouled players in the league. Um, frankly, like just the, the match that they, the second match against Nossi, which they won, he probably got fouled more times in that match than most players had over the course of the season. But he's 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 been fantastic. I mean, he's scored three or four goal of the season contenders. There's the brilliant curling shot past Ruffier against Saint Etienne. There was the bicycle kick against Caen, um, and then the the one against Nancy where he sort of 
controlled a, a high ball brilliantly in his own half and then ran half the length of the pitch before slotting it away. He, you know, against PSG, he almost turned the game when he came on, setting up Diabate for the equaliser and just terrorising their defence. He looks, you know, he really looks like a, a talent and I'm hoping that we can keep him for at least another year, but there's definitely going to be interest, um, mm, certainly this summer. And if he carries on, you know, starts next season the same way, it's going to be tough to keep hold of him. Yeah, I think that's the tr- trouble with a lot of young players nowadays that the teams seem to lock their eyes on them quite quickly and try and take them away just as quickly as well. It'd be lovely to see him again for another season in Liga. And thank you again, Jer- Jez, for joining us this evening and hopefully have some more good times to speak about next next season as well. Exactly. Thanks a lot. Right, and we continue speeding through this trudging of the Liga teams, and we're slowly getting towards the end. And Eric, another team that we're similar to Toulouse in the sense that they had a really good first half of the season, but a pretty poor second one. And that's probably making it kindly in the case of Gangomp, who under Quambare looked really positive with some really good results and, and Coco playing and Brion had a, an excellent season probably overall, but they really sharply dipped again uh, in the second half of the season. Is that a worrying sign for you? I, it's hard to say. I, I, I think that the real gank up, if you will, lies somewhere between that, that European contender fifth place and, and the team that we saw in the second half of the season. And they're, they're, I think their final league placement is probably a fair assessment of where they are. Uh, I think that, Though I do think that it's been it's been impressive to see how how Kambuare has brought in veteran players and they've done really well. I think the likes of Dido, Luca Do, uh, uh, Janssen, the, the goalkeeper coming in, I think has done really well as well. Uh, but he's also uh, he's also brought in I think players who he's brought through rather young players who have really impressed as well. And I think that that, that shouldn't be shouldn't be undersold. Uh, I know Coco is not an uh, lo- uh, not an uh, academy player, but he but he's a, a good signing from from PSG, uh, and but also the continued development of the likes of Coco and Blah, I think has been really impressive as well. Uh, so it, it it's been a good season. I think that you know Gangon perhaps will rue being being a little bit loose at the back. I think that the Kambor I sort of struggled for ideas. He he had. He cycled through quite a bit of tactical systems towards the back end of the season. Did he want to play Brian as a, as a lone striker alongside Priva or Mendy? Did he want to play Salibur on the right? Did he want to play Salibur on the left as a playmaker? So there's a there's a lot of uncertainty over over Kambuare and his ability to succeed with that team. That uh, he seemed to run out of ideas and run out of ways to motivate the team, but. Even with that being the case, I think that some of the results that they had, and, and also Coupe de France semifinal is nothing to sneeze at either. I, I think it's overall been a positive season for Gang Up. This is a team that didn't really invest that heavily in the summer, um, but did, you know, did lose um, a fairly important player in Sankare over the summer, and I think recovered from that fairly well in in the players that they brought in. That that perhaps the likes of Adido. I know who is older but had a great season, Luca Doe. I think that having a more established name like Kambuare in, in the Breton side allowed them to to build on that. Now it looks like he might be going to Saint-Étienne as a replacement for Galtier. So I think that's another intriguing prospect 
if he can have a little bit more consistency uh, rather than the uneven season Gangoff had, I think Saint-Étienne shouldn't see too much of a drop-off from Christophe Galtier if that move does indeed come to pass. And just very quickly then on that point, that if he does join Saint-Étienne, is, is there any worry about Gangomp if they maybe lose a couple of players here and there as well? Maybe someone like uh, Salibor leaves or or maybe Coco. I, I, I can't imagine Brion does another move in him at this at his current age. But is that maybe a worry that if they lose a couple of players in those attacking areas and they maybe are a little bit weaker in defensive areas that, and losing the manager combined with it, that they might be in for a relegation fight next season? No, I don't think so. I, I think that this team top to bottom has a really nice balance of young talent and veteran and veteran talent. I think there's also players that, you know, like an Alexander Mendy, who've shown flashes and aren't exactly young, but are but because of their own situation and Mendy didn't get a whole lot of playing time at Nice, uh, there's still more to come from them. And I, I think that that's, that's important to note too. Uh, Brian signed a contract extension. I, I think that he's really enjoyed his time at the club, uh, the success they've had in Coupe de France. And being, you know, challenging for Europe, I, I think that he enjoyed that certainly more than being in a relegation scrap when he was at Hover in Germany. And I think that he's content to, to close out his career here. He's someone who, who's shown a lot of maturity and, and having a player like that, having players, other players that are better in presence, just like Doe, uh, uh, Mustafa Diallo. I think there's, there's frankly too much veteran now in this team. Uh, for Gangump to really struggle next season, uh, even if they do lose a key creative player like uh, uh, the player you just mentioned, Salabur, <laughs> like Salabur, there are still there are still other options beyond him. Block can play on the wing, uh, as he has for for France, and there's also Neil Lepaw as well. So I think there's a plan of succession there, even if Gangum to have happy losses in the summer, and I think that that, that veteran core will uh, allow them to continue to succeed. If not at, at, at being a contender for Europe, certainly being comfortable in the mid-table once again. And that can only be good news for them. Uh, our final guest this evening um, is going to talk about our one of the real surprise packages in Liga, if you maybe discount Monaco a little bit, and that's Nice. And covering that is our very own uh, Lucas Mirani. Welcome to the show, Lucas. Great. Thanks to be here. Great to uh, be here. Let's talk about what has been really a, a surprising and fantastic season for a team that... We all expected to really have a drop-off, even with a fantastic manager and a, and a couple of interesting players added to the mix. How impressed have you been with them this season? Well, I've been very impressed, and I think partly because of how well they played last season. You see this a lot with clubs like Nice, where they have an impressive season, and then they fall off a bit, and they they revert back to their mid-table role. Good players like Ben Arfa and Germain leave. And I think the fact that they hired a manager like Lucien Favre, who in my opinion is one of the best coaches in Europe, was a real sign of intent. And it, I think they've had a fantastic season. And I think if they can continue to keep hold of their core of player or key players, then I think they can challenge for the title potentially next season. And that's really where the crux of the argument comes for next season, at least. But let, let's talk about Favre, who's arguably with Hardim the the best manager of the season and probably will if his is if he could have possibly done exceeded expectations as well how how has he sort of transformed this team in that like you say really overachieved last season but have even gone even further this season well i think he's been brilliant and partly part of that has been his use of tactical systems when the season started he started with a 4-3-3 system and i mean they won a couple of games but they i wouldn't say they were playing well or to their potential and the, the signing of Dante 
allowed him to switch to a back three, which was extremely successful throughout the middle of the season. And then he was very unlucky that he lost some players through injury, like Ricardo Pereira, like Vila Cyprian. And he, he switched back to a back four. And that, again, had success with that system. So I think part of Nice's success has been his ability to adapt to dis different circumstances with the players at his disposal. And you've mentioned one player that's really shone despite his injury in March, and that's Willian Cyprian, who's been impressing us all this season until that unfortunate incident that's really ended his season early. How good has he been? And is he a future really that they can build around someone like Cyprian in the future? I think he's a brilliant player. Um, I think you can't underestimate the impact he had coming from their midfield. I think if there's one criticism of Nice is that despite having a goal scorer like Balotelli, they often didn't have a real secondary player on the field who, who was also a goal scorer. And that was partly because of injuries to players. And I think Cyprian really stepped up into that role and almost into a Frank Lampard-esque role of arriving late in the box and converting. I think going into the future, he can definitely be a, a player that they build around. The key will be, will he stay? Because I think with his performances this season, plenty of clubs will have seen him play and think, you know, he'd be a great addition. And that's always the difficulty with the financial situations and of clubs like that. And let, let's talk about, let's say, the controversial point, really, of, of Nice and probably the controversial point of many of his seasons, and that's Mario Balotelli. How has he been for, for the French side this season? It, has he, in a sense, succeeded with the amount of goals he scored, or is he still a little bit underwhelming of what we expect from the Italian? It's, it's a strange situation because on one hand, you look at his total, and he has 15 league on goals, which is very impressive, and it's hard to criticize that. But then there's also periods of the season where he struggled, and there was a lot of justified criticism towards his performances. And I think the one thing Lucien Favre, if he stays, that's not decided yet, but if he does, will have to improve, is his play when he's not in the box scoring goals. Because we all know he can finish as a great goal scorer, but what does he do in the other 80 minutes when he doesn't have the ball? And I think if he wants to continue his success and maybe get to the next level with Nice, he'll need to improve that. Oh, I think Lucas's mic's might have gone a little bit off then. It's gone off the trail, but we'll we'll finish there. Thank you, Lucas, for, for joining us and, and uh, being on the show. And we'll, we'll make sure to speak to you uh, next season as well. But let's move on, really, to another team that at least this summer will be interested in. That's Saint-Étienne, Adam. And they're obviously losing a very famous and beloved, at least, for a long period manager in, in Christophe Galtier. How... Although this this season's been a bit frustrating, will he be a, a big miss come the come the next season if they don't find someone that's really ready to fill his shoes? Yeah, I really I really think he will be a, a huge miss for the next season. I I think although when you look at it, I think when they took over Sinetti and they're in the bottom three or four of the league, he's been there what eight nine years now, eight years or so, and they for towards the end of his of his spell, the club over the last three or four seasons, they were on a, on a couple of occasions genuine Champions League 
or top three or the podium as is often called in France contenders. And turning, I know they're a very big club and they've got tremendous pulling power and you know they've got they've got fantastic fans. So there's it's, it's a very good situation to walk into in terms of sort of the basis that, to build on. But the job he's done in terms of taking them from that lower end of the table to a regular top seven, top six, top four even contender is is can't be underestimated and something that gauta is particularly good at is he gets the best out of average players i think they over the course of his of his spell at the club he's obviously had some fantastic players in his team like abamyang uh, is a really good example whom has been a, a good player for them over the course of the last few years obviously max Allen gradel was brilliant for them but they've also had lots of average players and those players have performed the level that you perhaps would expect from them and that's one of gauta's particular talents um he's also very good defensively and and we talked about him on the pod, on the pod before being a little bit sort of a little bit boring and the style of setting being a little bit dogged and a little bit sort of dull but they do get results and they they squeeze results out of out of out of, out of every out of every sort of every league season if you like they don't do particularly well against the bigger sides but they get they get points and he's very very good at maximizing the talent of of uh, of, of his team so i think Given that they haven't got the resources that they 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 recently said, you know, they were proud to be the only only sort of fully French show club in the top six. They they also said that you know they they can't compete with those those sides that do have the resources, and those foreign investment that has become very common in league. And so I think the next manager coming is going to have a very very difficult job to replicate the the performances of Sinetian under under Christophe Gauthier with with limited resources and with with teams like Lille and Marseille and Nice, you know, really catching them up and surpassing them. In terms of the sort of new owners and, and funds being spent on players, that they're going to find it very, very difficult to repeat those successes. So I think he's actually very underrated in terms of his in terms of his management ability and in terms of getting results and finding a replacement to perform at the similar level. They might get a more exciting coach, they might get a more attack-minded coach, it might be better to watch next season. But challenging for a top six place is going to be very, very difficult. Mm, and let's focus really on this season as well as as a whole. This season, we we have criticised Galtier a lot this season of maybe being a little bit too negative in the team not really really lacking a player in the in the final third that can really get them the goals I mean when you have someone like Homumas that your top scorer he's a great player but you want someone else to really grab the headlines from the a goals point of view is that yeah. the real criticism of them this season that they've really they've really struggled in that final third haven't they they really have. You're absolutely right. And um, I think Hamim is not necessarily an out-and-out goal scorer, but he has been used in the centre-forward position a couple of times just because they completely lack the options up there. I think Robert Berich, um was obviously very, very prolific at Rapid Vienna, and he came in and I think he's a good finisher. He sort of plays between the, the width of the penalty area, and he's, you know, he's, a, he's a very much a number nine, and he'll, he'll hold up the play well, and he's a poacher. But he's been so difficult to keep himself fit. He's been had a season and, and what much more even of injury issues, and... He, without him being at peak fitness, they've really struggled to find a replacement. Alexander Sodlin came in from from Rosenborg, and um, I think he's had a very up and down career in France so far. And even in Norway, our, our Norwegian analyst Hupperella tells me that he regularly missed clear chances in in Norway. Obviously, got a few more playing for for easily the best team in in that league over recent over recent years. So he perhaps was an interesting, sort of an unusual signing, a bit of a gamble perhaps, and he hasn't really fitted in. So they do need a striker. But even when either of them plays, that the, the Huma's not the quickest anymore. Mane Pake is a direct player, but he's the central striker is often very isolated and he doesn't get much support because of those, apart from those wide players who often are quite wide and quite sort of isolated themselves, the, the three central midfield players are, of, of sort of Lemoyne often, Omi Saive, Benjamin Cornia recently, Vincent Pajot, Olesonas, they're, they're all very defensively minded for, for 
for for sort of for a three um there's no real attack in that, that attacking player like a number 10 or someone who's going to really pick a pass jordan veritu's trying to to fill that gap and he's performed relatively well on occasion and he's probably been the best of their midfielder since he came in on loan but they just lack the guile on in midfield to to support Beric and support those wide players and give them the opportunities so yes they struggle in the final third you're absolutely right but they struggle in the, the second third as well if you like they don't, can't provide the chances and when they do get them the, the strikers uh, haven't been the most clinical or prolific or even fit as we mentioned with Beric so it's, 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 it's a very very difficult situation they do struggle to score goals yeah, and that's a real recipe of disaster, isn't it? Not being able to create, not being able <laughs> to really is, that, that probably tells you why Leiva have been pretty dire to watch this season, in all honesty. Let, let's move on now to got three more clubs left on this review. And, and Eric, a team that avoided relegation in the end in Dijon, they, they, they were relatively comfortable on the final day at least, but they probably deserved it out of those several teams there that they were playing the more entertaining at least or more attack-minded football especially for the majority of the season, at least, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think that this team, you know, could be a little bit shaky at the back, but I think that they've they've done really well in the transfer window. I think we should maybe look at them as perhaps a more attractive Angers. Angers had used this plan of bringing in some better players from League 2, and I think that, that really worked out well for them. You look at the likes of Yunus Abdelhamid, Fouad Shafiq, I think had done really well in League 2 last season, and and they've, I think, made the made the league fairly well uh, to to Liga with Dijon. And I think that Olivier Dalio and and the the sporting team at Dijon deserve credit for that. The players they brought in at the winter window too, uh, the Korean Juan uh, Chang Hoon and and uh, Hadadi, the fullback, have have looked not out of place either. I think Quan uh, uh, is really one for the future in particular. So yeah, I think that they got their just rewards. I mean, they could be a little bit loose at the back, but in Dione and Tavares, you had uh, some real attacking threats. You also had uh, veteran players like a Pierre Lise Malou. Uh, I think I think that things really came off well for Dijon. They were they were never uh, dull to watch, and they, they and they all and they stuck to their their plans. I mean, I think that we've seen so at times in, re, in recent seasons we've seen teams try to play defensive, realize it's or sorry, teams try to play attractively. And realize it's not going to work and, and sort of go into a show, whether that's within the course of a match or within the course of the season at large. We didn't we really saw that with Dijon. And I think that that's uh, a massive credit. I'm, I, I think that the summer could be difficult for them. Pardon me, particularly if a player like, like Dione goes, but, or Baptiste Rene. But overall, it, it's, it's been a good season for them to, to stay in Liga with sort of limited means, and, but also to do it playing attractive football uh, is, is a season well done. Yeah, and you've mentioned him briefly there, and that's one of the real worries. Do you think Dione will stay this summer, or will some of the interest around Liga and of getting a striker with a number of teams really needing a a front man, may he be tempted to leave? Yeah, I I, I think it'd be, if someone offers, say, 8 to 10 million for him, I don't see him staying. I think that that kind of money for a club like Dijon is, is too difficult to ignore, unfortunately. Yeah, and he, with the amount of goals he scores for teams like Saint-Étienne or Rennes who are really struggling for an out-and-out goal scorer, he, he seems like the kind of player that either of those clubs could really use. On to the final two clubs and both the relegated sides are, are left for you both, gentlemen, and I'll, I'll give you Nancy, Adam. And they almost did it, didn't they? they? They had a really good result at the weekend, but really their season was sort of dealt with before that, that they, they never really seemed to score enough goals and the defensive solidity never really came to the fore often enough. And in key games, 
that that lack of goals cost them, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. I think um, they they were so unlucky. They came so so close to sort of just almost just surviving. I think Lorient would be pretty lucky, perhaps that Issa Deer was injured for the final two games, and because he was very good for them, their top scorer, and was a real outlet on their right hand side, and provided a lot of attacking thrust for for the team. And it, although it was minimal overall, he was the most you know mo- their most attacking and most effective player. So I think they've they've got a little bit of luck there. But yeah, they do struggle. They did struggle to score goals. I mean, um, none of their strikers performed at all really over the course of the season. Their central strikers and they they sort of suffered from not being able to to sort of develop their league deal winning side. It was a very very similar team that got promoted and they they sort of maximised the resources. I think it's a bit of an opportunity missed to some extent because if then perhaps if they kept Clement Longley, obviously they can't say no to the money that Severe offered. But he was very very good for them and they didn't replace him at all. And that was a that wasn't necessarily a mistake. It was probably a necessity, but it's an unfortunate reality of their limited resources and of their season. Um, so they were they were sort of unfortunate. Craig did well to rotate his side in the middle part of the year. They're up in the mid table area, and it looked like you know that he keeping his players fresh and and hungry and rotating the side was um was working for him. But it's just it, I think their lack of quality just caught up with them. And the fact when you can't score goals even by French French standards, which you know it's not in the, even though this season's been different um over the past years, there haven't been too many goals in league. And then when you're at the lower end of the scoring charts. You really have a problem in that final third, and that became their undoing, unfortunately. Yeah, and I'll ask this question for both these remaining teams, really. But is there anyone you see, Adam, at Nancy that will stay in Ligue 1 for next season? Yeah, I think there's a number of a number of players. Perhaps one, well, maybe not a number, but it's maybe a little exaggeration. But there's definitely one or two guys that stood out. I think uh, Faitou Morass is the obvious one. Obviously, just joined up with the France under twenty squad, and although he wasn't even really getting into the squad around October, November, December time, the last fifteen games he's been absolutely fantastic. Very direct, as we mentioned before on the pod. You know, he he really started to compliment Deer and on the other wing on the left. Uh, has played in a variety of positions as well. Played central midfield, played left back, and um, and played even played number ten on on one occasion. And you know he's a very exciting. Only eighteen. He's someone that if if Nancy were to able to hold on to, that would be huge for them in the, in that in the second division. But you would imagine that other sides would would come looking for him, um, to because he could be really complement a few a few league and attacks. Um, Apart from him, um, I think there have been some solid midfield performers. Um, Yusuf um, Benassa was was good and when he gave him a chance, but he obviously his injury spell and his spell at the Africans Cup kind of curtailed his performances in the side, but he was a very solid midfield performer, scored a few goals as well as a Moroccan international. So he's someone that perhaps one of the promoted teams might be looking at. Um, and same goes for, for Dial Guidelo, who plays, he's a, I think he's Mauritania's captain, and he had some decent performances in that midfield as well. And perhaps, again, promoted sides would do well to, to pick him up. Um, but I think the problem with, as I, as I mentioned, it is a league to a squad, and, and they, they, they didn't add any league and quality as Mets did, especially with Coad and Diabate, and perhaps even Dijon, who had... Had some added some interesting players in Balmon and although it didn't come off, but Marvin Martin as well. So I think if they kept the squad together, they would be in 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 contention for promotion again. But given that 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 lack of quality really kept up with them, they they might be able to. But I think Moasa would be one that would be moving on for sure. And uh, yeah, Mawasa looks like a an interesting player that I think will probably get some league club coming in for him in the summer. Let's finish with where we started really with, and that's with you, Eric, and, and a team that's probably been more in infamy than off the field and, and around the game rather than on the field. They almost, in Bastia, had a chance at sort of maybe nicking safety from the jaws of really a relegation that seemed almost certain at one point, but 
they couldn't quite really push over the line, but it was probably on the course of an entire season, was it maybe a little bit just that they went down? I think so, yeah. I, th- I think that they had, they made some really intriguing loan signs. I, I think we shouldn't take that away from them, that Abdelhamid Al-Qatari, Pierre Bengtsson, who's a Swedish international, uh, Alan Saint Maximin and Enzo Crivelli, obviously, but they struggled a lot with injuries. I think that we we can't underestimate uh, the leadership that they had gotten from Sebastian Scalacci, but Alexander Jiku, you talk about players that should stay in the league, I think that he's definitely a potential to do that as a right back. He missed a, a pretty big chunk of, of a big pretty big chunk out. Uh, Lindsey Rose has been a disappointment at center back. I think we st- it, it wasn't as if Bassey didn't plan for the season well. I think there's just a lot of things didn't come off. And whether that's through injury or, or through poor form, uh, it's it's a it's just I mean obviously I don't I think that the, the issues surrounding the club make them not someone you should have in Liga, given the the actions of some of their fans. I say some of their fans again. It's not the it's not the club. It's not every fan. It's some sections of fans. Uh, but I, I think that you know they, they they've always relied on their home form, and their home form has been not that great this season. I think that that's that's something that's really made the difference. You could count on them getting, you know, eight or nine wins at home, but I think this season they won five times at home. Yeah, and they just didn't have enough in attack with the injury issues that Crivelli had. There wasn't a natural outlet. I mean, playing the likes of Lenny Nangis or Axel Ngando at center forward, that's not going to come off. Those those kind of players aren't target men the way Crivelli is, and the way they've had in recent seasons with Brandao as well. And lacking that sort of focal point, uh, Bassett just sort of fell apart in attack. And, and that was the story of their season, that they, they couldn't get enough wins at home. They, had, uh, they only lost five times, but nine draws. You turn three of those draws into wins, they've got six more points, and they stay up. But uh, it, just wasn't, it just wasn't enough it, for them. And I think that, you know, in terms of a, 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 the culture surrounding the club, I think that going down is a good thing for them to maybe have the club's hierarchy, see what should be expected in terms of comportment from and, and perception from the club, because, you know, there were also some unsavory comments from officials and managers in the wake of some of the incidents that they had. And it's a good thing that they go down to sort of reassess what their values are and reassess what it means to be a professional club in France. Uh, again, in terms of players that should stay in the league, I think maybe Jean-Louis Leca could be a backup for someone in Liga. He had a pretty decent season. Uh, I think Jiku certainly deserves, deserves to be in Liga. Beyond that, uh, I mean, Galdanich has been decent. Crivelli and St. Maximin are on loan as it is. But Galdanich is 35, 36. I don't think that he's the kind of player that would stay. For me, that would probably be about it. Maybe Mehdi Mostefa. But, yeah, there's not a whole lot to really take away from this club. Yusuf, uh, or sorry, Lasana Koulibaly, maybe. He's a young player someone might take a chance on. But there's not a whole lot of redeeming quality at this club, and that's obviously why they went down. Mm, yeah, and never to not to even to mention the amount of red cards there were. We were all hoping that in that little melee against Marseille that maybe one more might have been shown and then they could have had that record. <laughs> An unsavoury one, if so, but a fun one at least for what was a really strange season. Uh, that's all the teams. So that's all that we have time for uh, this week. My thanks to absolutely all of our guests, to Eric, to Philip, Adam, Rich, Jonathan, Robin, Chris, Raphael, Mo, Jeremy, and Lucas. Uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in to this bumper episode. But uh, prepare yourselves for one more show next week. It will be our award show. So do tune into that. It'll be our last for the season. But until then, it's Abianto and goodbye.